This week on Retronauts, we gotta go fast. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Retronauts. I am your host, Bob Mackey, and that Sonic slogan always reminds me of an irritable bowel syndrome medication commercial, uh, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking Is about? Is it IBS? Or I thought it was for um, It was for something. It's like, gotta go, bladder. gotta go, gotta yeah, go right it's, now. It's a bladder it's issue. Like, so whenever I hear gotta go fast, I think Sonic has to pee somewhere, but mm-hmm. um, I apologize for that condition. It's probably very debilitating. I'm Bob Mackey, by the way. <laughs> We're talking about pee immediately. What's wrong with this episode? <laughs> I apologize sincerely. Uh, today's episode... Well, it's, it's fitting because I'm on blood pressure pressure medication now because of things like the Sonic the Hedgehog Colin episode. Oh, okay. And that makes you pee a lot, so. Wow. <clears throat> it all comes full circle. I, I guess it all makes sense now. So, yes, I'm your host, Bob Mackey. This is all about Sonic the Hedgehog. Finally, we're doing a Sonic episode. But before I go on, who else is here with me today? Across the table, we have... Yeah, that's Jeremy Parrish. What a jackass. <laughs> and uh, who else do we have next to me? It's Ray Barnhold again. Hooray. And special guest right over here. I'm Tim Turry. Hello. And Tim is our, I guess, our Sega expert. We had him in... Uh, to pick on him during the Super Nintendo episode, but I'm going to take it, Tim, that this is your area of speciality, Sonic the Hedgehog and Sega and stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm putting this all on the line here. You no, have to no, say no. yes. I appreciate it. Well, man, it's, <laughs> it's hard to go toe-to-toe with your guys' depth of knowledge, but I have a personal <laughs> attachment to, uh, to that hedgehog. I mean, he's the reason that I live in the city, that I have the job I have. I mean, he was he's the reason that I care about video games. So you like played Sonic Adventure 2, you're like, I have to escape to this city. That's correct. Escape <laughs> to San Francisco. Uh, you, you tried to, you tried to like, skate down, uh, I guess, banisters and were immediately arrested by the cops. It didn't work out for me. The, <laughs> the truck, uh, it did run me down. You uh, need to soap up me. your shoes first. That's that's right. Yeah. I see the ads everywhere. That's but, vital. That's vital. But yeah, so, I think we touched on it in the Super Nintendo uh, episode a little bit. But yeah, it's a, a strong history with this hedgehog. Cool. So Tim, I'm going to defer to him for memories of the past because these games I sort of played on the periphery when I was more of a Nintendo kid. But uh, the reason we're doing this is because I, I feel like we, uh, we really have not done a great comprehensive episode with Sonic the Hedgehog, about Sonic the Hedgehog. He's not here, by the way, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I did call uh, Jaleel White, but he did not return my call. Um, I feel like uh, we did one in the past, Jeremy, uh, that you referenced from time to time that, that unfortunately had Chris Kohler on it. Uh, and what? I, uh, yeah, there was a Sonic episode. Uh, maybe it was a Genesis-focused episode. Oh, yeah, the uh, yeah. Genesis anniversary episode. And not that Chris is, is a is a bad guest, of course, but I feel like he's got a, he still has a bone to pick with Sonic. And um, to just, be fair... Just Sega in general. Just Sega in general. It hurt him as a child. Like To be fair, like um, I gave all these games a try for the first time as an adult uh, over the past week, and I, I'm not a huge fan of them either. The first but, time? Uh, no, no, like... As an adult oh, for okay, the first yeah. time. Like, okay. I played these games a lot as a kid, as a teenager, okay. but I, I never sat down Tim, as... Tim, you're doing your job. Yes, exactly. Keep like, the damage low. Yes. <laughs> Keep uh, these guys in check. I never really sat down, like, with an analytical mind looking at these games. I really just would play them. A beautiful them, mind. A beautiful word. mind, yes. Uh, but I never just sat down with these games thinking about the design, thinking about the process they were made under, thinking about, like, um, I don't know, more than just, like, playing Green Hill Zone and turning them off immediately. So that's why I'm here. I really sat down with these games, gave them an honest try. I didn't like them that much, but I want to talk about these games because despite what I feel about them, they are interesting, they are important, and I feel like um, they are very special to people other than me. Um, but before we go on, yeah. I, I do want to talk about the history of Sonic the Hedgehog, or, or sorry, our history with Sonic the Hedgehog. I kind of explained where I'm coming from. Um, I was a Nintendo kid. I could really only afford to have one console at a time. And really, like, all of my friends, for some reason, had Genesis's, Genesi, whatever you want to call that. Uh, and, Genesis. Uh, yeah, Genesis, sure. And, uh, I, I mean, I played Sonic a lot at their houses, but... 
I always preferred Mario. Like, it was fun to play Sonic. I didn't hate him. I watched both of his bad cartoons. Yes, the other good one is still kind of bad. Uh, but it never I, it never really spoke to me, the gameplay itself. I, thought, I felt it was too basic. I liked the, the more secret-driven Mario games. I liked the, the bigger moveset Mario had. I liked the world a little better. Um, but I never I never hated Sonic. I just kind of preferred Mario. Um, I guess I'll start with Tim because you are you are the Sega kid. Um, uh, like, what is what is your personal relationship with Sonic the Hedgehog? If yeah. I can put it in those terms. Yeah, I mean, I, I That's can... a dangerous question. Yes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Uh, I don't know how much I can disclose. Um, so I, I think I touched on it a little bit in the Super Nintendo episode, but, you know, I grew up in a Sega household. It went Atari and then Sega Master System, and then the... And then my brother asked for Sega Genesis one Christmas. I didn't I didn't know the difference between all the consoles well enough. All I know is we got the new console. It comes packed in with Sonic. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just... And he was outgrowing games at that time, and so he's kind of like, you want to play this thing? And, like, so, you know, I, I always had to compete with older cousins and brothers for, like, gaming time, and this was it. So Sonic was my first, like, really big deep dive, and it was so beautiful, and, like, he was such a... Uh, I mean, he still resonates with kids today, you know, mm-hmm. despite yeah. how much the games have changed over time. Like, that character, there's like a Mickey Mouse-ness to him that people just latch on to. And it worked for me in, you know, at the at the very outset of, you know, Sonic's career or whatever. Um, and it was also probably aided that I had a, you know, I wasn't great at the game. It probably took me over like a year to beat it at some point. But I had watched some Nick Arcade thing, and I learned. It was my first, you know, code I ever learned was like level select, and so it was just this confluence of points in my life as uh, someone who loved video games. Is you know, first cheat code, first game I'd ever seen credits roll on. Um, it was just the right difficulty level for me, and um, it just kind of unlocked part of my imagination. I feel mm. like I grew up loving Super Super Mario Bros. as well. Super Mario World was huge for me, which I think I always loved more on mechanical level, uh, you know, gameplay wise. But just there was a personality to the world of Sonic that kind of, you know, maybe want to go out at recess during school and make up Sonic characters with my friends and, and you know, be in that world. Go d- deep dive into the Archie <laughs> comics and uh-huh. and watch the cartoons you mentioned. Though I think the Sat Am one was not maybe as bad as, as you remember. I, 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 I dare you to go okay. back and watch it. There, there is a there is a the, – the French character is what really ruins that Antoine. show. Yes. It's just like this inexplicable character who uh, I, I believe it's, it's theorized was added to make fun of the president of Deke Animation who was a French guy. Ah. So they put a cowardly French character. He does not fit, but it is much better than the Saturday morning. I mean, it's much better than the daily one. Focus I will, on I will the admit. games. Yes, yeah, sorry. We are getting off track. I did cover that on a Christmas special, I believe, uh, yes, last year. That was fun. But um, as for the games, you know, the, the, yeah. the Genesis was the height of the franchise in my for, – for my hands-on with it. You know, for, for as a fan, that was where I really fell in love with that mm. and that hardware. And so I played those games to death and have been on and off throughout the franchise. I When I worked at Game Informer before I'm – I'm at Capcom now – I reviewed a lot of those games. I kept up with the franchise. Uh, it was kind of my beat, uh, I guess I'd say. Sonic beat. Uh, but anyway, yeah, real personal connection to the, the awesome. franchise. So, Ray, how about you? I feel like you have more of a Sonic connection well, than I do. Which yeah. is, First of all, yeah. let me say, as someone who's been very close to Retronauts ever since the beginning, we've tried two times now to get a good Sonic episode <laughs> going in some sort. This one is going to be good. I can feel I've it. I've been on both, and it's just... Ruined incomprehensibly by some factors, uh, mainly Chris Kohler. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just <laughs> – Chris wasn't even on the second one. No. That was my own stupid fault. Oh, No, okay. actually, Chris yeah. is nice. Chris is a friend, of course, but you can't have him on a show about Sega. No, I, I know. Just don't do it. We can't is do he this here? Is he here? No. No. Chris is, so. Chris is on lots of shows about things that aren't Sega. <laughs> it's, I, I say it for humor. It's out of love. Anyway. Okay. 
Nevertheless, I'm hoping the third time is a charm here. <laughs> is there right. like a gremlin that well, comes and attacks you guys while you guys so, like, mention yes, Sonic's name? Um, that is sure actually can explain it. Yeah. Well, last time I said, hey, we're going to do an episode on Sonic the Hedgehog. Give us a phone call and we'll take your questions live. And that got tweeted, or actually not tweeted, but promoted on Sega's Facebook yes. page. This is just us in a vault, no wacky formats. Yes, uh, no, no, no uh, strange children will call in, and uh, I, don't, I don't know. You don't want phone and calls. A, and a nice, friendly man in the form Sega's of Tim. Facebook. Page. Yes, <laughs> we'll see. Yes. Okay. So, so anyway, uh, oh, go ahead, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I was a Nintendo kid by default, but I've always been pretty agnostic about games ever since. And so, I was very interested in Sonic when it first uh, appeared, and you know, I always I wanted a Genesis pretty much as soon as I saw it. Uh, but actually, I started – my first Sega system was a Game Gear, and that came with Sonic, Sonic 1 on Game Gear. So I actually have a bit of a uh, – more of a fondness for the 8-bit Sonic games than I huh. do the Genesis ones. Uh, however, I do respect them all very much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they do all have their flaws, of course. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much how I was introduced. So Sonic was getting not just you know this, this novelty of this color portable game system, but also getting like my first taste of Sonic that way. And eventually I did get a Genesis and uh, Sonic 2 at that, after that. But, hmm. yeah. uh, Jeremy, how about you? I feel like um, Sonic was really designed more to target the tastes of people uh, like the ages of Tim and Ray and myself. Me? Yeah, a bit. Younger I than mean, this old man. I, I feel like uh, you were probably 16 or something when this game came out or in your late teens um, and I, you might have been over this Mid-teens, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, how, like, what did you think of Sonic? Did you play? Was it interesting at all? Okay, so I discovered Sonic the way Sega wanted me to discover Sonic flipping through a magazine, probably EGM. There was this magazine ad on the bottom half of a couple of pages. Mm. Oh, there was yeah. like a trail of of someone's smoke from having been running and like a little hint of a shoe. And I turn the page and there's another one. It's telling me to go fast, like catch up. Wow, something crazy is happening. And I turn the page and there's a big fat hedgehog who's like, I'm cooler than Mario. <laughs> that would be a really annoying pop-up ad today. You know? <laughs> it would be. Like every time you click to close it, a new one pops up. Um, yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of how I discovered it. I was like, oh, there's – this seems important. <laughs> they they made a multi-page ad about it, so this must be a good thing. Uh, but you know, I was I was pretty deep into Nintendo at that point, and definitely didn't have the money for multiple consoles. So I thought it was interesting, and I saw Sonic playing at store kiosks, and was like, "Wow, this looks great!" And I love the music. And I had a friend who bought a Sega Genesis and would let me borrow it sometimes. I'd let him borrow my Super NES. And that was one of the games, and I was like, wow, this is really cool, but eh, I think I like Mario better. Even though Mario is uncool and slow and stuff, I just feel like there's more to do in Mario games, so I'm okay owning what I own. Hmm. Um, But, yeah, I never disliked Sonic. I just never really got into his games, and um, I have found that some of his games hold up better than others, and I have made people angry by saying that without realizing (laughs) that there are certain things that are held sacrosanct. I, I think so I apologize for that. We're all approaching this in good faith. Some of us might be more critical than others. I, I feel like a, an, a, an episode sorry, an episode about the early 3D Sonic games would be much more uh, negative. And I want to do that eventually because I find those games to be interesting as well. But we're going to start with the yeah, 2D Shadow games. Yeah, the Hedgehog deep dive. Oh, God, no. <laughs> What's the Twilight Zone episode where there's the kid and if he gets upset, 
people oh, just it's die. a good life. I feel like yeah. that's how this is being handled a little bit. <laughs> think happy thoughts. Yeah. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> so uh, really, I'm just going to cover. It was um, good. Sonic did that. Yes, <laughs> it was good that he uh, had a whale chase him again. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to cover the first three and a half games. Yeah. Uh, Ray uh, is going to lobby to cover Sonic CD if we have time. <laughs> yes. uh, I really wanted to cover more, but uh, there was a surprising amount of information to pull out of this. In fact, I don't, I'm not going to cover everything. So please don't complain if I don't get everything. But it's I, amazing I just, what you can find on Wikipedia. Yes, exactly. No, I went to the Sonic Wiki. Let me tell you something. That, <laughs> that is like you're going on an adventure there. That's the labyrinth zone. My yes, friend. exactly. Except with less drowning. Um, but yeah, I was reading drowning like, in information. Yes, exactly. Totally. I mean, I was reading tons of interviews. <laughs> Tons of the, these are great analogies, by the way. I was reading tons of interviews, uh, reading tons of theories, read, uh, just like so many recountings of this time in Sega's uh, uh, most most fruitful and most productive and most profitable uh, part of their lifespan. Yeah. Um, but let's start with the uh, origin of Sonic the Hedgehog. There's like, I mean, I feel like the, the origin of Sonic the Hedgehog is now kind of like the origin of Mario and Pac-Man where it's mostly known by a lot of people. But I feel like there's still some things that are up in the air. It's like, did Yuji Naka create Sonic? Did the other guy create Sonic Oshima? It's actually it was more of Ub a... Ub-E-Works. What's that? It was Ub-E-Works. works yes. It was that in, in Walt Disney. Oh, Ub-E-Works and whoever created Felix? Oh, I don't know. Okay, so yeah, I mean, essentially that. We'll get to that though. But it's essentially, a, a uh, three t- a three man team who created Sonic, and we'll go over every member of this team. But they're all part of Sega's AMA development group. Um, and the first one, of course, is Yuji Naka, who I feel is the mo- the person who is most associated with Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, he was born in '65. He was like a young hotshot game designer in the, of that era. Um, he basically, and Jeremy will find this interesting, he got into games because his favorite bands, uh, including Yellow, Yellow Magic Orchestra, were using them to make music. So he found that angle of computing interesting, and he wanted to get into working with computers. And I guess he had something to do. Uh, he was interested in video games, too. Uh, he didn't go to college after high school, and this actually stopped him from being hired by uh, Namco. So it's, it'd be interesting to think about where what would happen to Namco if he had been hired there, like, would they have another thing as big as Pac-Man? We don't know that, but that's just, like, an alternate timeline I would love to, like, just jump into and, fi- and figure out, like, what's going on there. What would have happened to Pac-Man's attitude, I think, is Yes. Big. He would immediately have uh, flashier shoes, yeah. would run faster or I, I eat wonder, faster. I wonder if Namco had the same sort of freewheeling internal design freedom that I, I sense from Sega in the 80s. Like, Sega was just... All over the place. It was just like if you think something, do it. I don't yeah. know. Namco, it, like they, I think Pac-Man and Galaga, Galaxian made them big, and I think that made them more corporate. So I, I don't know that they would have like Naka would have had. I that agree with you. Yeah, like they didn't have anything to prove. Sega definitely did. They needed a hit, and uh, Namco really didn't at this point uh, when he was hired in. Um, 83 by Sega. What was what was Namco doing in 83? Like uh, uh, Miss Pac-Man? Pac-Man cl- uh, sequels. Yeah. Uh, Namco didn't do <clears> that. I know that. I know that. Yeah. But like, you know, 
Tower of Druaga. And, oh, yeah, they were fine. Yeah, like, yeah. Devious and Tower of Druaga and yeah. stuff like that. But like a lot of people from this era, he did not go to college to learn computing. He was self-taught. He basically was copying code from computing magazines, which is what a lot of people did in that era. Yeah. They they would get these magazines that would have code in them, and he would play around with the code and figure out what he did. He would learn like assembly language and things like that. Uh, so he was hired by Sega in 83, and his, his tenure began with the Master System game Girls' Garden. Um, and Not he also, system. oh, I'm sorry, it was the arcade SG-1000. Game. Oh, SG-1000, you're right, sorry about that. Um, and it was a game where you basically have to prevent your boyfriend from being stolen away by another girl. Is that how it works? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was a very uh, interesting game that really was super advanced for the hardware, I think. Um, and that definitely yeah. impressed the superiors at Sega, and he was given other projects. Like, Naka is sort of like, uh, I point out in my notes, he's kind of like a uh, Iwata figure where he is like a programming wizard. Not so much a creative talent, but he can just kind of get things done. Yeah. So if they have an idea, he can usually do it. So... Naka made the uh, the 3D Dungeons and Fantasy Star, which is a very very like great like technical effect on a Master System. Mm-hmm. That is a Master System game. I know that for sure. And <laughs> it is. he also worked on the super impressive Genesis port of Ghosts and Goblins, which is um, oh, yeah. a great port. Like Ghouls almost, and oh, sorry, Ghouls and Ghosts. <laughs> I always get that confused. I even wrote it's Ghouls okay. and Ghosts. I yeah. get that. That's yeah, right. but um, there was no good home port of Ghosts and Goblins. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, but yeah, Ghouls. Uh, that is just a such a great port of that um, that game. Yeah, and, considering um, I mean it's not perfect, but considering all that, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, there were some bad. Had arcade ports on the Genesis at that yeah, time yeah, too. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, basically, uh, Naka's pro- programming know-how made Sonic happen. It all came out of an idea where he wanted to make a fast game. We'll get into the origin of Sonic in a bit, but he had, he made a tech demo that involved a, a sprite moving smoothly on a on an incline instead of just being limited to flat surfaces like Mario would be. Occasionally, Mario could slide. Sonic's sprite could scale and move and rotate according to the surface he was on. So that was a very interesting technical feat that only he could do basically at at Sega, and he wanted to make a game based around this concept. We'll get into the creation of Sonic, like I said, but uh, I think he's one of the people, one of the first creators that w- that notably got sick of the Japanese corporate uh, hierarchy very, very early. <laughs> um, he basically left Sega of Japan after Sonic One. Uh, he he didn't he got some bonuses, but they were upset that the game was delayed. Um, and uh, according to Mark Cerny, uh, he was making thirty thousand a year, uh, despite making one of the biggest, hugest games of that year. Like thirty thousand in ninety one was a reasonable middle-class salary, but not what the one of the main programmers of the biggest game of that year should be making, I, I think. I mean, how many millions did Sega make yeah. on Sonic the Hedgehog? And that money all went up to the, to the top people, I'm assuming, just like... Uh, yeah, so uh, he left Sega of America and got a job at Sega Technical Institute where he would work on Sonic 2 in America. So it's funny, uh, we're already setting up the strange battle between Sega of Japan and Sega of America. That would really just play out until they kind of defeated each other in a way. It was really kind of more Sega Japan's fault, I think. I mean, all those, all those Sonic earnings went to directly into the pockets of the people who came up with the idea for the 32X. So you can see where Nakamura yeah. would be like, <laughs> you jackasses. So uh, this is a quote from Mark Cerny, who, uh, I mean, he's still a relevant name. He uh, he designed the he architecture. Uh, let's not talk about that, please. But uh, he made the architecture of the PS4, which I think is a great system. Uh, I originally sh- made Marble Madness, and he's just been around the game industry being sort of a sage. Ever yeah, since and then. he was sort of like a wunderkind. <laughs> he made Marble Madness as like a teen, I think. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So Mark Cerny said uh, one big issue was that even though Sonic was immediately a big hit, uh, Naka got a lot of grief for having missed the schedule. He took 14 months rather than 10. And uh, he used more people than he promised. He um, he used four and a half people rather than three. I don't know where the half factors in. Did they just use like Oshima's legs or something? <laughs> I think I think the person was like typing uh, different <laughs> codes in different games with each yeah. hand. 
One hand was like some failed ultra, Altered Beast like sequel. the Rick Wakeman of programming. <laughs> uh, and then Cerny goes on to say, I think he also felt unappreciated on many levels, including financially. I believe his base salary at the time was $30,000, uh, though he did get bonuses. And now uh, this is the joke I trot out every time. He sells Propay and Propay accessories. He works for Prop or Propay. I'm not sure how you Pro-Pay. say it. Yes. Um, and some games uh, that are okay, I guess, there was Let's Tap, which was a very strange premise for a game where you set your Wii mode on a box and it was like oh, a rhythm yes. game where you tapped that. the box. I don't know if it came with the box you built. Uh, yeah, I don't it was know. a cardboard box. You just folded it in, and there you had a little box. Okay, and pro was, pay and pro pay accessories. Right. You really just blazed right past that. Yes, like, uh, I think I've used that joke before. Is that so. a Red Hill joke? It is. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hank Hill Zone. Just yes. right you gotta say pro pay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sick, so I didn't want to attempt to hang on okay. pressure, but I can do one. Uh, so, I don't doubt you. Yes. So I feel like he has not really gone on to uh, the noblest of fate. I mean, his games are okay. Rodea, the Sky Soldier, which I, I, I attempted to write about for US Gamer when I worked there. Um, what a what a disaster! What yeah. just what an unmitigated disaster! I mean, well, I, the game that they did make was great. Yeah, the, the Wii <laughs> game that we wait that came as a bonus yes. on us on the special edition yes. that. Yeah, that is the preferred version of the game. I guess it was delayed so much that they had to package it on the Wii U. But it's meant to be played with the Wii mode. I'm sure it works fine. But playing it with the Wii U controller is just a night, like a just unfathomable nightmare. I just was so bad. Jeremy, did you just? Something I was just going to say, like it was an attempt to kind of do the next nights uh, mm. pretty clearly, but I don't know that it panned out. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to play that Wii version at some point. Um, I assume it's better, but man. Just a kind of a bad, bad, bad thing that happened to him. But uh, I assume he's, he's he's keeping on. I'm sure Prope is still around. I have not heard rumors of its closing. They are. They just I, don't I th- do a lot. I think they really just out, get outsourced stuff. Like they they developed they, the uh, some of the, the Street Pass games. Yes, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the the Haunted House one. Uh, I, I play a bunch. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. It it really weirds me out that Timbo the Badass Elephant was not a Prope game because it seems like something that Yuji Naka would have worked on. Mm-hmm. And it's published by Sega, it's, but that's a Game Freak game. It's weird. It's like so many people have made like what feel like Sonic games. Like even Tropical Freeze, the Donkey Kong game, feels like a Sonic game. Oh, yeah. Tembo definitely does feel like a Sonic game, especially with how, how it moves and how uh, there's a focus on speed and things like that. Um, so we're done with Yuji Naka. Our second dude Bye, is Yuji. Naoto Oshima, born in 64. He is kind of, in a way, the true creator of Sonic in that he created the design. Uh, he created the design for Sonic and Robotnik, who at some point was envisioned as a possible main character. He was like a fat guy in pajamas uh, carrying a pillow. I'm sure we've all seen this early art. Teddy Roosevelt sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. He, I mean, he was a really cute character. Like, the American side was just concerned about kind of making things a little angrier. Mm-hmm. But regardless of what they did with the marketing and the packaging, this game is, uh, the original game is also is also very cute. They could not have stopped the game from being cute. And Robotnik is a cute character, despite his, his evil intentions. Um, <laughs> so, uh, basically, Oshima said, he admitted much later, he's like, I just put uh, Felix the Cat head, Felix the Cat's head on Mickey Mouse's body. Uh, and it was like sort of like the ultimate uh, cynical ploy to appeal to Americans. So we have these popular American uh, cartoon figures. We have uh, red, white, and blue design on the character. And apparently the shoes are either like Santa Claus's shoes or Michael Jackson's shoes. There's like con- con- conflicting arguments about what Sonic shoes are supposed to be. Hmm. Does anyone know this? Interesting. No, I was out of Santa Claus is having, you know, brown boots. I think it's like uh, the buckle might have been part. I mean, Sonic Sonic has buckles on his shoes in the early games. Um, that oh. could be part of it. I don't know. Or he's a pilgrim or something. Wait, do they? Oh, wait, they do like buckles? Yeah, they don't like buttons. Got it. Okay. <laughs> it's very <laughs> important to know. Zippers. Yeah, so uh, Oshima directed Sonic CD. 
Uh, he worked on that after Naka fled to America to work on Sonic 2. And uh, Oshima actually directed two of the Saturn's biggest games, uh, Knights and Burning Rangers. So um, I I guess uh, Naka was busy programming on Knights. I assume that was like his brainchild. And I, I, he might have mm-hmm. come up with a concept, but maybe he was just in just trying to get that idea to work on the Saturn, uh, which was not a great system for 3D. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Oshima left Sega to form Artsune, which uh, made the equally popular character Blinks the Time Sweeper. Am I right? I mean, <laughs> kids. I, I see kids with the Blinks hats and the Blinks uh-huh. backpacks and uh, those Blinks Happy Meal toys all over the place. And boy, did I mean, they take Yoshi to new heights. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yoshi's Island DS, uh, which I think is very, very bad, a very bad game. It is um, very bad. And Blue Dragon, which is fine. I mean, I feel like they were just sort of copying Dragon Quest in a way, and I play through the game. No, it, it's, it's more no, of a Final Fantasy. Oh, God, Fantasy. you did it. You did Jesus. it. Jesus. You've done it. I, I, play, I mean, I played through it. I mean, the Toriyama stuff. That's all that's yeah. Dragon Quest. But the job system is kind of like lackluster. I don't know. I agree with you, Ray, I guess. Okay. It's, it's anyway. fine. I mean, yes, um, yes, Blue yes. Dragon is, is inoffensive. That's the best thing I can say yes, about it. Yes. Uh, R2 eventually was dissolved. It was absorbed by AQ Interactive, and then they left that formation to become our zest which made yoshi's new mm-hmm. island which i think i will Jeremy, i will stand up for that game okay it's well it's better than yoshi's island ds because it's not trash it's zestfully um, it mediocre is, it is it is a very good beginner's introduction to yoshi's island if you were not born when yoshi's island came out you'll never play it <laughs> no if you were not born when yoshi's island came out originally right. in 1996 or 95 or whatever <laughs> Then this is like you're you're still a child, and this is a good game for you because you missed out on the Super NES game, and you can't play it legally anyway. So here you go, play this game because it's pretty much the same, but a little more you know appealing mm-hmm. to contemporary players. Maybe I'll get around to playing it one day. I just want Yoshi's regular island to exist. The new island can wait, you know, just Yoshi's Island. Right. I want that available. What's the old form. island first? Yeah. <laughs> So our last member of this triumvirate is uh, Hirokazu Yasuhara, which I think is sort of the more unsung member of this trio. Like, we really hear about Naka and Oshima more because they are uh, developed. They're more of the things that are on the surface, I guess, like the the tech and the character. But Yasuhara is a level designer, and he, mm-hmm. he kind of directed, if you want to call it that, um, Sonic 1, 2, and 3. Someone else is credited with directing Sonic 2, but I feel like that person was more of a managing editor between both sides of development. Uh, he's listed as the planner, and in recent in interviews I've been reading, I think planner just equals director in these old yeah, games. Yeah, back, back in the older games, designer and planner usually meant the person who was responsible for, like, the day-to-day uh, creation of the game, like, who's, who is, you know, put down the vision for it and made that yeah. into reality. Whereas director often was more like a producer type role. Someone yeah. who is managing and, and shuffling papers and figuring out staffing requirements and resources and that sort of thing. Like managing schedules. and Right. Yeah. Planner almost always meant like the person who actually designed this game. Yeah, I think it came out of an interview with like, um, God, Mega Man guy helped me out here. Inafune. Inafune. Yeah. Uh, he was describing what his role as a planner was. I was like, oh, that's basically a director. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, so Yasuha uh, along with everyone else, left Sega uh, in the early OOs to work on uh, at Naughty Dog. Um, not everyone left to work at Naughty Dog. Everyone kind of left at a certain point. And uh, he worked on games like Jack and Daxter. It makes sense that they would borrow Sonic talent because it was sort of a mascot platformer, of course. And uh, strangely enough, Uncharted. And uh, he was also hired away uh, by Sega Technical Institute with Yuji Naka to work on Sonic 2. So they both worked on, in America, presumably making more money on Sonic 2, and yeah. um, now he works at Nintendo's NST division, uh, where he apparently only works on those Mario and Donkey Kong games that keep coming out that I don't know if anyone uh-huh. actually plays. Mm. Played anyone? the first couple. I like them a lot. They're good, but I, it's like, is I, I'm kind of done with these by now. It's just like, uh, yeah. NST seemingly only makes these anymore for the past uh, yep. more almost a decade, yep. I think. 
They're probably doing something amazing for Switch. Just you wait. <laughs> yes. Uh, Just you wait. I can take uh-huh. those games on the road. Wait, I already could. And I don't want them. Anyway, so... Let's get into the creation of Sonic the Hedgehog. God, I hope there's time to talk about the games. There's, I, I find the the uh, like the creation kind of more interesting than the games themselves in a way, just because of this 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 era of Sega, which I think is captured well in the book Console Wars. Uh, you may disagree with how the information is presented. I think it's a book written for normos, not nerds like us. Like, how do I get a normal person to care about this stuff? And I feel like I can get over that and just get the information in the way that the author presents it. So I recommend that book if you're interested in this. It's where I'm pulling some of this information from. Yeah. But uh, Ray's grunting. I know he's holding back something. Yeah. Sorry, Ray. Uh, Careful, he's going to show up in your mentions. <laughs> get out of my mentions, dog. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, as Jeremy has pointed out in past retronauts, like um, Sonic was sort of spearheaded as a way to dethrone Mario in a way. Um, uh, it was an internal contest held by Sega of Japan's AM8 division, which would eventually become Sonic Team, to come up with a new character because, you know, Alex Kidd, nobody cared. Nobody well, cared. Well, I cared. Oh, right. Yeah. I cared well, a lot. Wait, did Kids? you? I really did. I mean, I told you Tim, I grew up been, with like a... You've been really quiet. Let's let's hear your heresy. Yeah. I mean, it was a... It, it, I think there was an um, element of it was what I had. You know, <laughs> like I get... Like Alex Kidd had a... That very, explains uh, the fervent Spectrum fandom in the, in the UK. Of course. Like it's... It's uh, like Miracle World specifically. I think that there was a was lot. That the Genesis one? That was no. the, that was okay. a Master System one. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, The Lost Stars you might be thinking of. Uh, there's yeah. a couple of Genesis ones. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, I, Miracle Miracle World was fun. I, I had a good time with it. It was really unforgiving, but it had a really catchy soundtrack. I, to this day, do not understand how the rock, paper, scissors uh, uh, boss fights go. But I, yeah. have a, I have a soft spot. I understand uh, your perception of or your perspective of Alex Kidd as a mascot. Which I, is, I really want to like that Genesis game, but I feel like whenever I try to play it, I'm immediately hit by a car, and then I want to stop playing. Well, you should hold the jump button there. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> I think Alex Kidd was definitely more of a knee-jerk reaction to Mario than Sonic was because they basically saw Mario and it's like, okay, we have to make something like this. So we'll have a game that has jumping and blocks and then we'll also add a punch mm-hmm. and then also some more verticality, I suppose, right. and a motorcycle. And yeah, I feel shit. like the – It's just like, let's like more of that. And then they sort of like didn't improve on any of it for the Genesis sequel. And so that just kind of felt flat as well. And so Alex Kidd was like, what the f- – I mean, what else – they, they also didn't even treat him quite as well as Mario because, like, Mario had a bunch of great platformers. Alice Kidd was, like, one platformer and then a fucking BMX game. Puzzle yeah. game. And then a, yeah, an adventure puzzle an game. An adventure game converted from a girl's anime. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, with Sonic and with Sonic and Mario, it was easy to sum up who they were. It's like he's a plumber, uh, he's a hedgehog that goes fast. With yeah. Alex Kidd, he's like he's a monkeyish man, he's a, a monkeyish suit, monkey man prince. And yeah, it's <laughs> like punches it, and eats rice balls. Yeah. it's a weird nebulous idea that donuts. it's hard to pin down. Yeah, the thing is that they had to create the story for him after they made the game, essentially. Yeah, because yeah. but with Sonic, it was more methodical. So, uh, so this, this contest was spearheaded within Sega's AMA division uh, to come up with a new character that would be like the new, the new thing. We need a new Mario. We need something compelling for this for this Mega Drive for this Genesis. So we talked about how uh, Eggman or Robotnik was sort of the first idea for a character. He's like a mustache guy in pajamas. If you look at the concept art online, he's like skidding on his butt. He's carrying a pillow. It's very cute, but I, I do not see him dethroning Mario. I mean, he's, a, he's another mustache guy, but right. a little more grotesque in a way. <laughs> yes. And uh, they kind of decided at first to go with this rabbit character who would pick things up with its ears. And I, I love this design. I think it would yeah. eventually turn into Cream the Rabbit. It's, it's a very, very like Fleischer Brothers-y, um, very like 30s, late 20s cartoon Oswald-ish design. Yeah, in a way. It's super Oswald-ish. You're right. it, it's a great design. I'm glad they eventually kind of retooled it a bit. Uh, so Oshima created, uh, teamed up with Naka. 
And Naka was really into racing, like cars and racing. So he wanted to create a game that had that same kind of racing, that kind of racing feel because you couldn't necessarily save your game all the time in those days. So he wanted a game that players would want to replay the levels over and over again in order to have get better times, get better scores. And uh, that was sort of baked into Sonic the Hedgehog's idea. Like, you won't be able to save, but every time you play, you'll get a little better. You'll learn these courses a little better. Yeah. Um, There's like yeah. the mid, like the, the high, mid, and low paths through like a lot of the levels. Levels, which I think feeds into that, which mm-hmm. is um, a cool perspective on that. For sure. And I think I heard stories about, like, Naka getting a Ferrari as, like, a bonus for Sonic 2 or something like that. Like, um, people people say he was, like, uh, standoffish or he was, like, very brusque. But I feel like he was just realizing his, uh, his worth, you know, unlike a lot of other uh, people in the Japanese gaming industry. Um, he, he broke out of it and he realized, like, he was important. So, you know, good for him. So uh, also, where are we he's here? a programmer, like. Programmers tend to be introverted. Yeah, yeah. Don't take it personally. <laughs> He's just really smart, okay? So uh, Yasuhara, who's like the level designer, he joins the project. And uh, Naka wanted this to be a speed-focused game, but he's like, if we make this game about a character, this rabbit character who throws things with his ears, the, the player's going to have to stop. He's going to have to pick things up. It's going to really defeat the purpose of, you know, the speedy game you want to make. Mm-hmm. So they There's going to be this annoying shake-shake sample. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like it could have been more like Mario 2 or something like that if they would have went with this idea. But yeah. Um, yeah. Am, I, am I wrong? Did, did some of those ideas uh, for the rabbit and throwing things go on to be like Ristar in, in some form? It could be. I know that yeah. was Sonic Team. Ristar well, definitely has that kind of like Sonic but slow and grabby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't yeah. know who made it, but I'm no. sure that's they... what, that's blast. Ristar is awesome. <laughs> like, it... well, I I wasn't being oh, okay. I wasn't being insulting. I'm saying like you can see a line of of evolution there. Okay, yeah. So what they did, they they ditched the rabbit character. They used the previous design, which was an armadillo. They added spines to him, and boom, he got Sonic. And then it's like armadillos are slow. Hedgehogs are apparently fast, from what I know. I don't know why they decided on a hedgehog, but um, it's important to remember none of these characters look like what they're supposed to be outside of Tails. Maybe like Sonic looks nothing like a hedgehog. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure we all are aware of this. Uh, yeah. Don't look for blue hedgehogs. If you see one, um, it's probably very sick. Humongous right. spikes. Yes. Uh, so yes, instead of throwing projectiles, the character would be a projectile. And that was sort of the idea behind Sonic along with the speediness. Um, and there were some weird complications with the character's origin. Like Sega of Japan wanted him to have a bunch of friends, which eventually would happen right. with uh, his crappy friends. <laughs> uh, he had a rock band at first and fangs and a human girlfriend named Madonna. And Sega, <laughs> this apparently really horrified Sega of America's executive um, when it, these complications kind of horrified them. I, I was reading this in the book Console Wars, and looking at the designs, they seem rather cute and harmless. But the recounting of them looking at these things like this is this is this is just terrible. This is this is horrific. I, I don't know why yeah. they were so afraid of them uh, because that, that's eventually what Sonic would become. He would eventually have friends and have a human girlfriend who would kiss. It's true. Uh, yeah, in Sonic 2006. So yeah. I guess they wanted to avoid interspecies romance at that point. It's just a fling. Yeah. So that that comment you made about how Sonic would become the projectile. I think is really the key to, like, I never thought of it that way, but it's really the key to understanding the game and also games that want to be Sonic. I mean, you look and you see a lot of games that were influenced by Sonic. Like Bubsy. Like Bubsy. Yeah. Most of them were really bad, like Bubsy. But the ones that succeeded, they they grasped that element. That's why you have Rocket Knight, where your character mm-hmm. is the projectile. Yeah, that's and a much better the, take. all the, like, Sonic clones, I mean, it's an opossum. It's, it's pretty blatant. Um, Arrow the Acrobat, I feel like, has some of those. I mean, I wasn't a, a little bit like there. There, yeah. I mean, that's that's an element that I you see in certain games, and like it's it's hard to capture. But the people who got that, they did a good job of of capturing the essence of Sonic in their own ways. Yeah. So. 
So yeah. that's, a, that's a good observation. Uh, it wasn't my observation. It was the development teams. But well, uh, they, they, I will they take got their own it. work. Yeah, they, they did a good job. So this took 11 grueling months, uh, and the AM8 eventually dubbed themselves Sonic Team. And um, they're okay, so we've already established that like Sega of America and Sega of Japan um, were sort of at odds with each other. I think uh, it's been established that Sega of Japan was a bit resentful that the Mega Drive or the Genesis was much popular in America due to the um, aggressive marketing of Sega of America. And of course, we had the Sega Scream. If you lived through the 90s, you know what the Sega marketing was like, and you know how Nintendo tried to copy it badly. Um, I, and I think Ray might be keyed into some of this because I think we talked about it before. But so Sega of America executives came up with their own story Bible mm-hmm. uh, for the series that the Japanese side seemed to ignore altogether. It's not present in the game yeah. at all. It's like Sonic is from Nebraska. His real name is Sonny. Um, uh, Robotniks it was was named uh, Evo Kintobor. He was a nice scientist <laughs> until he turned into a bad scientist. And the Chaos Emeralds yeah, yeah. gave Sonic power. It's like... All of these things, and it's like one of the executives that they talk about in this uh, console wars a lot, Kalinsky. He was like, "We need to sell kids a story. They just don't, they they need to define this character I with a story." It was him and Al Nelson. Yeah, Al Nelson like the real too. Marketing guy there. Yeah, but like, and I found their stories to be kind of stupid. <laughs> true, but yeah, Nintendo of America did the same shit, especially back then. Oh, really? Okay. When they were not as much uh, on the chain <laughs> from NOJ, NCL, because you know we had stuff like. Not just the Mario cartoons, but you may have also seen on the internet recently, like somebody discovered like a binder of like the same sort of like character bios, and Yoshi was Yoshi's full name is Yoshi T Munchakupas or something. Yeah. Yoshi Sora. Yeah. Yoshi Sora. Yep. Like that shit was immediately ignored and not yeah. really used anywhere else. It's funny you thank God that, for yeah. it, but it was just the American marketers run amok and trying to create some shit that they think kids would be into when really I, we just like good video games. I yeah. think that was probably sort of the fallout from the um, the early 80s cartoon <laughs> toy tie-in things, things like yeah. Masters of the Universe, Transformers, G.I. Joe, where they created toys but it wasn't just a toy line. It was like a storyline within the toys yeah. that could be expanded and, into other media. Yeah. Like that was the key to those product success. And Kalinske being from Mattel, of course, exactly. would be more open to that. Like so if, exactly. you, if you bought a G.I. Joe, you would get like a dossier on the character yeah. on the back of the toy package. Yeah, I mean they they had uh, like a professional comic writer come in and create – like an entire universe around around the G.I. Joe characters. Yeah. And that works when you're making toys and a cartoon around those toys, but not when the game is already made and you're seeing it happen on yeah. the screen. Like you're trying to build around that and it doesn't really work. It, it was interesting growing Just, up with, with that. And it was such a, you know, it, it had about as, I mean, I think Mario had a more defined story by comparison of just trying to like hunt down it was almost know, by attrition pr- pr- yeah, like, yeah. yeah eventually somebody right. gave way and said yes okay it's a plumber from Brooklyn whatever just but go with it I think those gaps <laughs> make the and, movie and how colorful and like how much personality Sonic had in, in the first one like those gaps were, were easy to fill in with your imagination and it's just I don't know like the ending cut scene him running through it's like every every all the flowers are blooming again you know you have yeah. the, the Chaos Emeralds if you be, if you lose the game or if you don't get all the Chaos Emeralds you know Robotnik's juggling them and taunting you you did you beat the game but you didn't get them all and, and those for me were really colorful ways to tell a very simple story that I didn't get out of games that only had like you know you did you did you beat it or didn't you um and it allowed me to like fill in the gaps to some degree I guess but Yeah I mean they never really tried to tell a real story uh, until Sonic 3 and then it was all told 
through very yeah. simple animations, which was fine. But it's like I, they were overthinking this a bit. When I sat down to play Sonic 1, I wasn't like, who is Sonic? Yes. Well, what, what are his motivations? Like, no, I'm going to run to the right, jump on right. things, have fun, fight bosses. It's like the guy that I fight all over, over – sorry, the guy that I fight over and over again is the bad guy. That's all I need to know basically. But I think they were – they really needed a hit and they did not want to overlook any angle. And again, Ray, like you said, they were toy people mm-hmm. and they're coming at it from a very toy angle. And these things were considered toys uh, at this time. Um, and I think, like, there were so many different versions of Sonic, so many different kind of universes. We had, like, um, we had the American version there uh, with the, uh, you know, Nebraska, his name is Sonny, Evo Kintobor, whatever. Um, there was a Japanese comic series written to promote the game, and apparently uh, Sonic was created via a series of storybooks written by the first pilot to break the sound barrier. Chuck Yeager? Um, I, I, maybe. Maybe Chuck Yeager wrote storybooks. He wrote stories about Sonic and that uh, and, brought Sonic to life? And then he came to life. I don't know. I, I didn't read these comics, but apparently that's what the, the summary of them was. And then we have the... Um, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, cartoon where Sonic is this wacky Bugs Bunny guy. And then we have um, the Saturday morning cartoon where it's like uh, they're Freedom Fighters, which has some weird baggage these days. Which is a little bit more like closely tied to the comics, like the Archie comics. Yeah, and the Archie comics are very much uh, sort of in line with the Saturday morning cartoons. Uh Which I think I pulled mostly from that. Uh, I decided that that was my Sonic candy growing up. And I projected that onto onto the the games as much as possible. And that's where Tim discovered the concept of headcanon. <laughs> it's going to kill us all one day. But also, and then we have, and that always confused me. Like, okay, we get the Sonic, we get the Sonic Adventure, and then there are humans suddenly, and that really disturbed me. I, I, I wanted to pull out as yeah. soon as there were humans in this but, world. But that's outside the, of the one, yeah, besides Robotnik, yeah. right? Who just seems like he's just this Gargamel kind of character. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a great. That's a great comparison. I like him. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, eventually, of, even the Smurfs had Johan and Pee Wee. That's true. Yeah. So once Sonic Adventure came, I was like, oh, there's a bit of retconning to do. <laughs> And then, uh, then on the American side, though. where we're going off on side things, yeah. but then we, I'm just thinking of Sonic X, where it's like mm-hmm. Sonic enters the real world, and his best friend's a kid just like you, and That'd you can have nice. adventures with him, and it's just like, come on, let's decide on one canon, please. Uh-huh. I beg of you. So the marketing and the localization would be very, very Americanized. Um, the Japanese team dis- really disliked this at the time, and they really fought against this. And we'll talk about more things later that they fought against. Um, but again, the game remained very cute. I think Sonic would never be cuter than he is in this first game. Uh, everything is very cute and colorful. Um, there might be some like kind of uh, melancholy music and maybe some scary things happening in the background. But it, it's a very, very cute, very Japanese game in yeah, that you, style. You destroy yeah. a robot, you save a furry little creature. Yeah. They, they made, made even the little cartoon spiders look cute. And that's, yeah, that's yeah. A feat. I mean, you still look at the original illustrations from Japan and it's all cute. Yeah. It always had been for quite a while you pop, until you, Adventure. You hop on Robotnik, you hit him, he you know, looks at the camera. He basically looks at you, yeah. like stunned. Uh, and, and I thought that was like a really cool way. Like Robotnik is a cute character and I thought that was a really clever way to connect. You know, you fight, you just chase him throughout the entire game. <laughs> and if, I think it really strengthened the connection between you know, Sonic and Robotnik more. You know, you, you fight these disparate, like bespoke bosses in most games that are like tenuously connected to any narrative it's trying to pull together and uh and he managed to do it while being being adorable. Yeah, there was a comical, kind of a comical angle that he would keep coming at you with these creations, and you would always keep, uh, you know, just destroying them every yeah, time. Yeah, very and, Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, next and, time gadget. And again, communicated without text, without a uh, voice, without anim- with a few animations. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't need these backstories. Um, so in another bold move, uh, Sonic would replace Altered Beast as the pack-in title, and this um, was. A, a very a move that the Japanese side did not like. They were like, mm-hmm. we, this is our killer game and you want to give it away for free. But Sega America was like, okay, Altered Beast is fine. 
uh, but it's very short, and we're afraid that consumers will think it's a satanic game. They were concerned about that at the time. This is the, the satanic panic era uh. of the late 80s. Um, and this was a way to get the system into people's homes, having this killer app that you could still buy independently, but it was a, it was an incentive to buy the Genesis as well. The games, finally, because uh, the creation of Sonic and the people behind it is so interesting, but the games are worth talking about as well. This is a Sonic the Hedgehog episode, after all, and the first game came out in uh, June on June 23rd, 1991 in the U.S. first, and I feel like I played all of these games again for the first time, uh, approaching them analytically as an adult, and I feel like these are arcade developers trying their best to adapt to a console mindset. You have to realize, like, these people were working on things like Altered Beast before Sonic the Hedgehog, and I feel that that sort of arcade um, mentality is at play here. It's a very short, flashy, and difficult game. Um, longer than your typical arcade game would be, but I, I do feel like there is a arcade mindset in place where playing Sonic 1, and people complain on comments and stuff when I say games are hard sometimes, and I understand if you grew up with this game, it might not be as hard to you, but... Sonic 1 is a difficult game. Yeah. Uh, and, and actually, playing it reminded me of 1001 Spikes uh, because there are so many gotcha moments. And that and 1001 Spikes is great. It's all about gotcha moments. But Sonic, I, I was immediately reminded of that game because it's like you, it flings you into something. You think you're fine. Spikes immediately come out and kill you. It's just like there are so many gotcha moments. And the game is really built around that sort of memorization of those gotcha moments for the most part, I think. It, it's interesting. Not for the most part. Oh, not for I the most part? No. <laughs> those are the things that stuck I, out the most to me, though. Uh, yeah, but I don't think they make up quite as much of each level. Okay. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's they a really... Just, yeah, I just remember them. Though. Sorry, Tim. It's yeah. a striking comparison. Like, I think everyone thinks of Sonic the Hedgehog and they immediately say, oh, you know, you, you, you run really fast through the levels, right? You just blaze through that. And that's what I think Green Hill Zone is like. It's what Emerald Hill Zone is like. It, they always start out that way. Yeah. And then those are great attract screens. You know, those are great, like, oh my God, look at how fast he's going. Mm-hmm. It looks so good uh, as a demo playing, you know, in a, in a Toys R Us or something like that. Um, but then, yeah, like you, you mentioned like those gotcha moments, which there are those, but like... You go from Green Hill Zone to Marble Zone, and it's a, just a dungeon of just, you know, yeah. all. it's just a dungeon of traps, like things trying to squish you, lava everywhere, and the game, like, sc- like screeches to a halt in the pacing of it all, and you have to be very deliberate and very slow and really just eke your way through this dungeon. Um, and if you try to attack Marble Zone like you did Green Hill Zone, you'd get game over with it. I'm sure For there's sure, plenty yeah. of people that did die in five minutes, and it's just like, oh, this is different than what I thought. I find this game pinballs back and forth between the Green Hill Zone style and the Marble... Marble... What's it? Marble something zone? Marble... 
I think it's. Uh, I, I think it might just be Marble Zone. Marble yeah, Zone, yeah. yeah. Green yeah. Hill Zone and Marble Zone level, where it's <laughs> yeah. like you have a, a more open level, and then you have a more enclosed level with lots of platforming challenges. Um, they just kind of go back and forth. So they have really kind of two types of levels at play here. Um, I'm not a, as big of a fan of the platforming in this game. I feel like Sonic works best. Like, Green Hill Zone is sort of the ideal Sonic stage for me in any case. Like, in this game, in the second game especially, I feel like that is a great uh, Sonic level. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like Labyrinth Zone is... Uh, I've been talking with people on Twitter about this, working through my Sonic uh, anxieties, <laughs> and everyone agrees, like, these games are difficult, and Labyrinth Zone is just a pain in the ass. Like, it, It's um, terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the puzzle elements of, you know, the... The one thing that comes to mind, well, there's two things. Like, one is drowning, and I remember playing through that game, and you basically, you're, it's this happy-go-lucky music, very aquatic and fun, and then, you know, you'd start to run out of breath, and, like, essentially the Jaws theme starts playing. <laughs> and you mentioned anxiety. It's just, like, that would... It, I didn't want to see Sonic die, so I would just reset the game. It freaked me out that much in that, that zone. And then on top of that... Okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> a, a paper I don't somewhere. want to play for too just long. Triggered yeah. him. I know. <laughs> but on top of that, you know, you'd spend so much time drowning because Labyrinth Zone was a labyrinth. Like you had to for a kid. I don't know. I was like six. So the concept, the puzzles, and having to like break the loop and break out of that was really beyond me at the time. And it was very different than stuff like Mario or even Alex Kid. It just was a different layer that I wasn't used to. You know, for a runner. I have to say that Sonic has really poor lung capacity compared yeah. to Mario. Maybe he just smokes a lot. Uh, I could be. We're not looking. He's that guy. He's a rad guy, you know? I will say, I mean, <clears throat> to its credit, I feel like the um, the anxiety the game gives you about the fear of drowning is really effective. But I think it's too effective where it makes those levels not fun. You're, like, rushing. You're not You're not being careful. And, uh, <laughs> like, it, and but when the you're bubbles waiting, are always well-spaced. I don't know. Like, sometimes they didn't spawn when I wanted them to. Like, when you're just waiting for the big oh. bubble. The little up. ones. Yeah. I think you need to manage it better. Okay, sorry, Ray. <laughs> Ray's going to be constantly battling me on this episode. Yeah. I did, I think... did want to mention the music because we brought up the death music. This is all, this and Sonic 2, uh, created by Masato Nakamura, the Japanese band Dreams Come True. Uh, just great, great music. Like, listening, playing these games again, I'm like, wow, I forgot how good Sonic music is. And um, apparently he owns the rights to the music. Uh, like, his name is credited uh, with a copyright in the credits. His real name, which would not happen in Sonic 1, everyone was pseudonyms. And yeah. um, that's why you don't hear any of his music in Sonic 3, because he wanted too much money, which I'm, I'm guessing was a reasonable amount of money, but they didn't want to pay him a reasonable amount of money. Um, but uh, he was a big part of Sonic being popular in Japan. Like, um, his band would use Sonic as, like, a uh, character on their posters and stuff like that. Like, he was being promoted through Sonic the Hedgehog and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, talk about Labyrinth Zone. And um, one of the reasons this game is interesting and one of the reasons I kind of, like, uh, shook, like, kind of was baffled by it as a kid was it's a one-button game in an era where every button did something, especially on the Super Nintendo controller. So, like, the first time I sat down with Sonic, uh, it was at a friend's house. He was showing me, and I was like, what's the A button do? Oh, it jumps. What's B? Jumps. And he's like, they all jump. And I'm like... That's all you do in this game? So that kind of put me off. It was kind of a, a, a bold move in, in an era where um, I liked it. things were good. I mean, I, I like it now, but it was like it took me a little bit I to liked it uh, then. He's work through. He's always running. There's no run button. Yeah. yeah. It's easier I, for you. I just, I mean, I played so much Super Nintendo before that for maybe a few months, and I'm like, but you need all the buttons to do stuff. The game should How be like How do I like manage this. my inventory? Exactly. How do I look to the where side do I, of the where screen? Where do I find the shop to spend my rings? <laughs> yes. Uh, and so this game is lacking the spin dash, of course. Um, 
future versions would hack it in, like the uh, the DS version, yeah, 3DS the version. 3DS version. And it doesn't break the game; it makes it better. That's that's the one problem with this game. I think um, building up momentum is a pain in the ass sometimes when right. you need it. Um, and having it instantly is great. It doesn't break anything. It just saves you time, saves you having to run back and then run forward again. So I'm glad that they hack that into the future games. Um, so again, it's a very simple game. Uh, you have three power ups. One which actually kind of <laughs> disempowers you. The shoes. Where it's like, um, I can go fast, but usually going fast without knowing where I'm going kind of gets me in trouble. And the time limit is so generous, you're not really in a hurry to go anywhere. I think in Sonic 3 and Knuckles, the time limit would be more of an issue. Uh, but you have a shield, <laughs> yeah. which is good. Invincibility, which is even better. Right. Um, those are your bas- two basic power-ups for this. And um, I have to say, like, I love Mario World, but uh, looking at these games side by side, uh, God, goddamn Sonic is beautiful. Like, Sonic is a beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, if you agree with me on this, guys, but uh, I feel like they really won this this aspect of the console war despite the underpowered technology. I feel like Mario World is a good-looking game, but, man, they went to such lengths to make this a pretty, pretty, like, immediately eye-catching experience, which I, is why they toured it next to Mario I, World. I think that yeah. Mario World has a more consistent style. Oh, for like, sure, yeah. Sonic goes through all... Every zone is so disparate in, like, how it, what it's trying to, to to go for that you just have this this huge variety of uh, of. I think one of the key things is that Sonic pretty much looks like he does in all the pictures, which is something you don't get in a lot of Nintendo yeah. games. They didn't really respect character palettes all that much. That's true. Even in the Americanized, like, cover art, they didn't really deviate very much from no. him. I mean, he, like, he would eventually get to look more like the sneering cover art uh, yeah. in, like, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, but... They didn't touch too much of it. They kind yeah. of made it look like an airbrush multi. They play Mario World and like Luigi has purple overalls, and there's like links to the past, link with pink hair, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. Mario is wearing brown, which is, doesn't yeah. happen in any official art. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I hear you. I, I think back to just the the show, the the spectacle of starting up that game, and like you know, it fades in from black. You see the sparkles, and he pops out of the big banner thing. It's this huge, beautiful sprite yeah. that just comes alive, and you're hit <laughs> over the head with his personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the game ends on that note too. You know, he jumps towards the camera. And it's just like bookended yeah. with just this hu- these big, beautiful pictures of Sonic. Yeah, I mean, I was playing this on a gaming PC on a 4K TV. I felt I was like abusing this technology, but at the same time, I was like, this is still impressive. Like, this still looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some other things about Sonic. Um, so like many games at this time, one thing I love about Sonic is this great like late '80s, early '90s pop art aesthetic, where it's like we have checkerboards for no reason. There are shapes floating mm-hmm. in the background. Sonic is all about this, and I love it. Just looks so great. Like the, the Japanese box. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, especially it's like total Memphis style. Like yeah. it's as '80s as you get. Even Sonic's design is a little cubist in a way. The way the way the way his mouth is placed, like sort of on the side. Like they would eventually make these <laughs> characters more three dimensional in a way, even with their sprites but I feel like these are like very bold interesting choices in terms of like uh, art design things like that Um, so uh, to wrap up Sonic we have of course the Chaos Emeralds which would factor into uh, every game and in order to get these Chaos Emeralds, you need to collect a certain number of rings, I believe, and jump into the ring that pops up at the end of a course. Is that correct? You're looking mm-hmm. for 50 rings, I 50 believe. rings, right. So yeah. so, yeah, rings are important. Rings would eventually lose their value outside of being, like, a health buffer in later games. But uh, I, I kind of dislike these bonus levels. They are, like, intentionally very pukey. It's like uh, you're, you're on these admittedly technically impressive rotating stages. It's camel tree. Yes, exactly. But it's like you have, like, this weird clip art behind you. Screensaver. Yeah, that's what it feels like. And it has this, like... Like very like um, kind of like seasick feeling music behind it. It just like yeah. it makes me feel nauseous. Like calliope. Yeah. And then you got like it's almost like beach balls or something spinning and flying birds. It's it's very 
Yeah, very, like, what's happening here? If I had to guess, I'd say that's probably, like, the remnant of, like, Yuji Naka's original experiments with what you said about, like, the character moving fast on inclines and stuff. It it feels like... A lot of scale work. It does feel like a tech demo, but, like, again, a lot of these these bonus stages do just feel like tech demos that could have been something else, but they just worked into these games. I thought it was really... I I agree with you. I don't think that they were the strongest element of that game by a mile, but the, the sense of, like, relief when you would make it to the end of the stage with 50 rings without spilling them everywhere, which the ring system is another thing to talk about. But those those bonus stages, you know, you would see the Chaos Emerald in the center of it yeah. like, almost immediately. And you'd have to just, it's almost like a breakout kind of like, I have to hit, you know, Sonic has a projectile again, like I have to knock out these things. And, and that feeling of satisfaction when you'd finally get it and the entire stage just starts spinning and it shows you this tally of every single Chaos Emerald you have and you're just like checking it off. Like, yeah. for me, it was the perfect and bonus stage was, at the time. That was also good counter-programming against the Super NES, which had mode <laughs> 7. We could do this too. And distortion and yeah. spinning and stuff and like, oh, the Sega Genesis can't do that, but here's Sonic, and look at that spinning. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a very arcadey touch that in order to get the better ending, you need to collect all of these items. I mean, Yuji Naka worked on the Ghouls and Ghouls and Ghosts, correct? Ghouls yes, and Ghosts. Yeah. Ghouls and Ghosts uh, arcade uh, port, which has another uh, way to get, uh, like, a slightly obscure way to get the better ending. Uh, Sonic is not like it at all, but I feel like it comes from that same mentality. But with all of these games, I feel like the payoff is not really worth it because you get, like, one new piece of art. So in Sonic 1, instead of, um, like you said, Tim, Robotnik is juggling the Chaos Emeralds and saying, try again, it's um, it's him stomping on the words at the end. That's mm-hmm. what you get for all of your pain going through those bonus levels, which I guess is fine if you're a completist, but I was like, I, I, maybe I'm expecting too much from a game from 1991 to after you go through all of that work. Work and to they, get the emeralds. They address that like in the sequel. Like they immediately yeah. introduce Supersonic with with that element. But I do agree that it was a little a little light in the beginning. It was yeah. just a, it was just a collection like a completionist. And then in Sonic Three, you you get the another like kind of another stage, another boss. If you get all the Super Emeralds and the Chaos Emeralds and um, yeah, if you get stuff the, on top the of that, Chaos Hypersonic, the Hyper Emeralds. You know, playing Sonic Three and Knuckles back to or you know locked on to each other. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's another thing but the, the the rings like i to me you know that's an element of the game where it's like uh you talk about how difficult this was you know mario games were were no they were they were very difficult as well and yeah. to me it was always like all right two hits i'm out and sonic you know depending on where you got hit it's like i could keep on eking through a tough level because i scrambled and and got those rings so for as a kid who is you know yeah like like five or six like trying to grasp playing a game from beginning to the end it was really forgiving for me in a way that mario games were really challenging Challenging. I was I was actually thinking that while I was playing, I was like, maybe the reason this is so hard is because you constantly have that that buffer. You can constantly if you don't fall into a pit or whatever, you can always grab that one mm-hmm. last ring and keep yourself alive. And it's like you can you can at least push yourself through the game and not get that good ending because you need to hold on to your rings to get the good ending. So it was a way for like maybe not so good players to see the end at least. Although um, yeah. the final stage is grueling. <laughs> uh, because uh, I forget the name of the final stage. Scrap Brain. Scrap Brain. So you, you have um, you have two acts of Scrap Brain, and then you have the third act, which is a remix Labyrinth Zone, where you run to the left instead of the right. Yeah. Um, they have a tendency to put a very, very, very hard level before the final boss in these games, I've noticed, which mm-hmm. is um, kind of par for the course. I mean, Mega Man would have, like, sort of the boss right. gauntlet and yeah. things like that. Yeah. It was very much of this time, but um, it was a little frustrating for me when I was like, I just want to beat these games for research. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, Sonic 1, very, very well made. I, I find it's a little too tough for me, but... I can respect it. And we'll be back to talk about the rest of the games after what, our break. What? what? I, I just wanted to add one thing. Oh, sure. I, I feel like the uh, the one ring element, you know, where you can hang onto that one ring yeah. and keep going, I feel like that is also a reflection of the arcade roots. Okay. The idea that there is, like, 
the basic level of play, and then there's like the real level of play. I mean, yeah, you can play through the game, and you can, you know, survive with just one ring and and keep going, but you're not really getting the、mm-hmm. ending. To really get the game, to like to, you know, to get the high score, basically, you need, you to, need to beat to... ghouls and ghosts without getting hit once. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. Yeah. The the idea that you have to like to find the real ending that is that is very much a, an arcade thing. You know, like play or play for score. It's the same the same mentality at work. Yeah, so it, it fits very much into Sega's ethos in that era. Cool. We will be back to talk about the rest of these games in a minute. See you then. Surprising amount about Sonic. We only got through one game so far, and I want to talk about Sonic Two, which came out on November twenty fourth, nineteen ninety two, which is Sonic Tuesday, Sonic Tuesday in the United States.、Uh, and this is pretty interesting because it's an American Japanese co production.、Uh, we talked about how Yuji Naka and the other guy who I forget his name、uh, went to Sega of Japan.、Uh, they were basically hired over there. Uh, sorry, left Sega of Japan for Sega Technical Institute, which was headed up by Mark、right. Cerny. We talked about that. I read a lot about this. It was a very interesting process developing this game. Apparently, there was a bit of a culture clash.、Uh, Americans weren't really used to how hard Japanese、uh, game designers worked.、Mm-hmm. And this is not to say American programmers don't work, but I, I have this experience myself when I worked at Atlas, where it was like we all worked like eight to ten hour days, and we pulled、uh, we pulled some late nights sometimes. But the two Japanese guys they brought over to work with us on a project, I would not see them leave. And when I got there in the morning, they would already be there. So I can understand this sort of culture clash where maybe、um, the Americans felt like, "Are we not working hard enough?" And maybe the Japanese people were like, "They are not working hard enough." So I, I can see that definitely happening.、Um, my my understanding is that that's like a like a, the the idea there is to like create a perception that you're. Working hard, like you can't be see,、yeah. pulling your weight versus everyone else, so no one wants to be the first to leave. Yeah, you can't leave before the boss, basically. Exactly.、Yeah. George Costanza leave your car in the, in the parking <laughs>、oh, yeah. lot next、yeah. to the boss's car. And... That's an awesome. That's an awesome strategy.、Uh, what I was gonna say is like、uh, I think it was like the Japanese people that were brought over to work on the game were like, oh, you're not you're not sleeping in the office. You're going home at night. Like they were kind of confused by these things, and I guess it could be part of the Jeremy thing, the thing that Jeremy was saying, where it's like you want to appear to be busy. The other George Costanza thing is like looking angry whenever someone walks in the room. Oh like, yeah, it makes it look like you're concentrating on something. I, I've done that plenty of times too.、Uh, don't tell my bosses that my new bosses. <laughs> so、uh, this has roughly the same amount of levels as Sonic One, and Sonic One.、Um, another thing I wanted to bring up, but I forgot was like、um, it had a very small amount of. Levels like again, it's hard to not compare it to Mario World, where Mario World had 96 levels and Sonic One had like 19.、Uh, the Sonic One levels are much much bigger,、um, yeah. but in Sonic Two, there's more variety because each、uh, more variety in Sonic One rather because each 
area only has, lasts for two acts instead of three, which yeah. is a great change. Yeah, the spread was different. Yeah. So you have a little more space to add more worlds, essentially. I feel like by the third uh, act of any Sonic Zone, you kind of get bored with the background stuff. So I'm glad this was the new standard, like two acts and you're you're out of there. That's for true. For the most part, yeah. I, I think that Sonic 2 got, yeah, that was one part of why that I, I would consider probably one of the best sequels uh Ever? I mean, I think it just it checks a lot of the boxes of what you'd want out of a really good sequel, and, and variety so. is great, yeah. a great part of that. Um, obviously, like you know, you're 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 getting to all these things, but yeah, like having a like co-op add to it. Oh yeah, and, co-op and, is great, and have a, a, a second playable character, more like interesting mechanics. We talked about the spin dash and how that changed things up, but like. Uh, it, it retained all the core of what made the first one great and added things that only made it better. Yeah, in terms of levels, I think even the theming was stronger. I mean, there were some strong, strongly themed levels in Sonic 1. Some of them weren't so strong, like Starlight Zone. It's like, mm-hmm. what, where, where am I? What am I doing? In this in this game, the uh, I think the themes are more apparent. Like, this is this kind of level. This is this kind of level. Uh, but talking about co-op, let's talk about Tails, who, uh, again, I think there was an internal contest. I'm not sure if any other designs came out of this. I never saw any other alternate Tails designs. But um, the designer named him Miles Prower. Oh, uh, it's man. funny that a Japanese designer would come up with the, a grown-worthy American pun. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I guess, again, this is recounted in Console Wars, maybe dramatized too much, but they were like, that is the worst thing we've ever heard, yeah, sir. Of course, yeah. So, um, so I guess what happened was uh, they were so hell-bent on making uh, Miles Prower be named Tails that they flew over to Japan um, and I guess it was either Tom Kalinske or the other guy. They wrote this weepy story about how uh, this 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 young t- fox named Miles Monotail was was mocked for a second tail, and Sonic cheered him up, and and I guess everyone brought a tear to everyone's eye. And like <laughs> before he left the meeting, uh, one of the Sega higher ups was like, "You may call him Tails." I don't know if that happened according directly to the dramatization, but I guess they convinced uh, Sega to let this character be named Tails um, because they did not want the Eggman Robotnik split that happened in Sonic 1 where right. in Sonic 1 he would be Robotnik uh, the Japan side would not budge for Eggman eventually we would come to embrace Eggman in some way it was kind of weird when it was just like oh it's Eggman now like yeah. kind of like the Peach Toadstool thing yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was that adventure I'm trying to yeah. remember I think yeah. it was, it was yeah. just like nope this is his name uh, the, the I don't know how, how many people you've talked to where you spell out the the Miles quote unquote Tails Prower thing and yeah. how many people in their adult lives are just you see their mind blowing and it's just like Miles Prower uh-huh. Miles Prower Hour. I didn't get it until pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. I think I was in my twenties when that when that struck me. I'm like, oh my god! Like, take the tails out. I never, I never Holy thought shit. to take tails out of there. Yeah, I was like, yeah. but exactly. That's name. Now you're oh. woke. Yeah. It's funny though because I'm not sure how late this decision was made because playing Sonic 2 again I'm like are, are, is the Japanese side being passive aggressive because you see the the name Sonic and Miles all throughout levels the option screen going to the option screen it, it morph, the word Sonic morphs to Miles and back and the Casino Night Zone you see signs that say Sonic and Miles and then when you play as Tails <laughs> Tails is in quotation marks like his name is Tails but not really I feel like mm-hmm. ha- part half of that was just like we didn't get the time to change yeah. shit. And, uh, but on the title <laughs> and there's screen... there's so much shit that was left over. Yeah, the, the morphing letters couldn't have been easy to reprogram. Exactly, yeah. I think it was a late a late de- decision, but um, yeah, like it even says Miles Tails Prior. I don't know if that name was retained for later games. I don't remember ever seeing it outside of this one, which was kind of like confusing to me as a kid. Like, why does he have these extra names? Mm-hmm. Like, he, this is just Tails the Fox. I don't get this. Uh, so yeah, we have... I mean, a... you eventually got Tails Adventure and yeah. uh, games that actually yeah. have Tails as their and, title. Yeah, and, and yeah, even like the Game Gear 
mainline Sonic games are like Sonic and Tails and Sonic and Tails mm-hmm. 2. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so uh, Tim mentioned the, the co-op mode, which I think makes this game much easier. And I would always be like uh, Tails with playing with my friends. I don't know if that says something about me, but uh, it's, it's he's basically immortal. So it's a good way to uh, for unskilled players to jump in with somebody else or to help somebody beat the game easier. Like I would do boss duty. Um, unfortunately, having Tails with you kind of ruins the bonus stages a bit. Oh, um, it's unplayable. Yeah. Like it, as far as like making a concerted effort to try to get Sonic 2 is still the one that's like I have not gotten all the Chaos Emeralds in that game those those half pipe uh, special yeah. stages are grueling and yeah if you're playing with Tails for the benefit of having you know someone along uh, unless you guys do a mind meld and are just like in lockstep he just goes off off the course and he'll run, yeah. he'll he'll make you lose all your rings and and it's a nightmare yeah but but a, a skilled tails player who throws himself against Robotnik endlessly uh, during a boss fight is like. It breaks the game, yeah. Yeah, I found that like playing with the AI Tails, which you can play as Sonic alone, Tails alone, or Sonic and Tails. The AI Tails would also like would always like hit the bosses for me sometimes. Like I would jump and then pull away, but then Tails would actually hit the boss. Yeah. So you can get a lot of like cheap hits, and I guess you can't really get the Chaos Emeralds if you have him as an AI partner. That could be like a the main downside to having him. But again, we talked about the spin dash. This adds so much to this game. Um, it's so much easier to immediately have a boost of speed, which would really make this a a much more playable game than Sonic One. Although they would eventually hack this into Sonic One. For future uh, mm-hmm. ports of it. Um, and we talked about these special stages, which are half pipes. I recently learned that uh, essentially, so you're running down these half pipes, the, the perspective is behind Sonic. Um, apparently, these are uh, pre-rendered video compressed to fit on the Genesis. Like these pre-rendered video loops are essentially running on really primitive animated GIFs like that are that are like stitched together. Really? So there's probably like five or six different ones, like a curve, a bend, uh, like a hill, yeah. and so on. And then like, they're just colored differently, and, and then yeah. you're off to the races. Like it's not, it's not quite color cycling like some games would use to give the illusion of traveling down a tunnel, but it's actually just like a pre-rendered animation that is compressed that a Genesis can display it, which is like, again, every bonus stage feels like a weird tech demo for something that they either... <laughs> couldn't do anything else with, or maybe they thought it would be like a flashy thing to include in a Sonic. I borrowed game. the best from laser disc, disc technology. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's no it's no 3D World Runner, but uh, I'll take no. it. Uh, and then of course we have Super Sonic, uh, which is uh, this starts the flagrant Dragon Ball Z homages, which I think escaped all of us until we actually got right. that series over yeah. here. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because I thought it was the coolest thing. It's like, oh, Goku does. So. Yeah. So coll- <laughs> collecting seven of these emeralds, um, which... Oh, right, seven. Yes, exactly. Okay. And this was, in, this was in place in the first game, but there was no Supersonic. So I guess this is the logical conclusion of this idea. Uh, collecting seven of these Chaos Emeralds, which I think you can do at a very early part of the game if you beat every bonus stage, correct? Yeah, I mean, unlike Sonic 1, where it was you have 50 rings and you get to the end of an act, and so you have a really finite amount of opportunities to try to get all the Chaos Emeralds, you know, you can be Supersonic, so it's in your benefit to get all the Chaos Emeralds as quickly as possible and there's checkpoints now right. so, so now if you have 50, 50 rings when you cross a checkpoint a little halo of stars appears you jump through it and you get a shot at it and so yeah you could conceivably you know get out of the first act with like three Chaos Emeralds and uh, and then by the second level or second you know stage, you could be supersonic already. I really think it was designed like that with that in mind. Like if you're good enough, you can play through mm-hmm. most of the game as supersonic. And if you don't know how this works, you collect 50 rings, and Sonic turns into basically a Super Saiyan, mm-hmm. where he's super fast, he can jump high, he's invincible, but he does lose like one ring per second. Yep. And you have to can you? I think you can just keep filling that up if you if you collect rings while yeah. you play. Yeah. You can, but either the, you end up with that tricky situation where you know a boss can only be hit so many times, and they have invincibility windows. So you'd think being supersonic in a boss fight would be your advantage but if it runs out you're 
zero you're rings. Left yeah. halfway through the boss with zero rings. <laughs> yes. So yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like this game is much more, uh, much less punishing, I think, than Sonic One. Um, there's mm. there's more open areas, although uh, Metropolis Zone is like the grueling Thousand and One Spike style level where oh, it's man. like. Projectiles are firing at you from every angle, and there are three acts, and the third act is just another Metropolis Zone act that just wants to crush your face. Um, I, I, in my nightmares, I still see those starfish with the exploding spikes on each tip. Yes. The, the scythe, uh, like, uh, praying mantises. Like, it's a brutal level. Yeah, there are so many bits in that level where it's like... Bef- they have these crabs that extend their their fist to punch mm, yes. you. So as soon as you land on the on the cliff, you're just punched off into the lava. Like I have no idea how to get around that. They're tough. Yeah, I just had to collect my rings and scramble and get back to the cliff. But uh, yeah, Metropolis Zone is pretty tough. I feel like it's it's more fair throughout. I had more fun with this game. Uh, the final boss is uh, probably one of the more difficult uh, Sonic experiences, mm-hmm. where um, you're given zero rings to fight this boss, and it has two phases. One is uh, Metal Sonic, sort of like a Terminator uh, 2-style takeoff, I think. So, So Robotnik develops a new Sonic... Uh, and I Not feel to like be confused with Mecha Sonic. Exactly. Right. Wait, they're different. Wait, help. No, Amazing. no, it's the same. Well, I think maybe it's been retconned yeah. a little bit, but like that was like the Mark One of Metal Sonic. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like uh, playing this again, and of course I'm playing with save states because I'm not crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a weak, I'm a weak <laughs> gamer boy, rather. Uh, like it's for research, it's okay. For research, yes. I, I did not play this game as a true hardcore gamer, but I feel like uh, a lot of this, these final bosses are designed to. Um, really have you memorize the attacks. Like, I think you have to die a few times to know what's going to happen because uh, Metal Sonic comes flying at you on the ground and you jump over him. And after a few times, he actually arcs up. Yeah. And then you are trained to jump over him and that kills you. So you have to kind of memorize, like, these are different things you can do. At some point, he jumps up and fires spikes out. That'll get you two. Mm -hmm. And you can only take one hit. Um, and then you die. Well, actually, you take one hit and you die. You can take zero hits. Yep. And then you go on to fight Robotnik in this giant robot, uh, this cool robot mech suit. But again, uh, you are playing both of these bosses back to back. If you die Robotnik, you have to fight Metal Sonic again. And it is a very, very tough boss fight. But I think once you learn the patterns, it's easy. But it's just like throwing yourself at these patterns with all the lives you've collected so far is really what makes a difference. Because there are no saves in this game. Right. And I think you have to earn continues, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. You're right. Um, yeah. Those those were – I remember those last two bosses and it was the king of like, oh, that thing barely touched Sonic's toe and he died. Yeah. Like I feel like there was just like I, – I, I have vivid memories of playing that game with friends and it's just like the the tension of those final boss fights knowing that at any point one hit could 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 end you. It's like had to send friends out of the room. It's like I need to concentrate. <laughs> You're getting Serious tense. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It I was, hear you breathing. Yeah. Go away. Yes. <laughs> it was it was brutal. But. Yeah. I think I, I, I like playing this game with my friend. I I think it's like I had one of those moments too. Like I, we both have to be quiet. This requires total concentration. You're right. Like the hitboxes are so specific for both of those bosses. Like Metal Sonic, you have to hit him like in his forehead, like directly in his yeah. forehead. You hit the top of his head, you die. Robotnik has these like uh, claw arms where it's sort of nebulous as to what will actually kill you, but you don't want to actually attack him until he uh, lands and his mm-hmm. like front part juts out. You can still hit him when the claw arms retract, but you're really playing with fire yes. there. Um, it's pretty tough. Uh, I'm kind of out of things to say about this. I think it was interesting. I was looking at the credits, and it's like all the Sega of Japan defectors were credited by their real names, but no one else was. So I guess it's like we get our real names in this game, and, it's, and I thought it was cool how it's like they also put their pseudonyms next to their real names. So it's like, oh, if you've seen this pseudonym before, you know what I've worked on, which is pretty neat to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, even the creator of Tales, who I don't think flew over to STI, was credited as the creator of the, the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty neat. And I keep seeing Phoenix Rie, which is the fantasy star creator. That's Reiko and uh, uh, Reiko Kodama. I see her name her name over all of 
these games. I'm not sure what she did. I mean, she did graphics and stuff. And probably design. she she was like one she of those graphic illustrator Renaissance artist. women. She directed things too. I guess mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. Um, it, I think the only other thing that I would maybe point out besides like. I don't know, goofy stuff like Robotnik outrunning Tails or outrunning Sonic as you're chasing him to his his huge robot. That doesn't make any sense. Things like that as a kid, I'm just kind of like, that's not right, was the fact that there was also a competitive split-screen mode um, that was like, for it wasn't the reason I loved that game or liked playing it with friends, but it was really ambitious, I feel like, for the time because it was like completely different assets generally. it was Some of it felt like it was squished, but uh, yeah, a lot uh, of the sprites looked totally different. The ratio know? was very squished. Um, it was squished. But they would fix that in Sonic, Sonic 3. 3. Yes. Yeah, that could, that could be. Yeah. Maybe yeah. so. So two. Yeah, maybe it was just so, squished. That, yeah, yeah, I think uh, Naka was just like that was like his passion, his side pro- passion project to like squeeze those in and get that mode working. This is impressive. It feels I like it fits in with his racing mentality, though. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you could screw each other over, and it was a, it was a fun extra mode. I played a bit of that. Yeah, it didn't need uh, yeah. to be there, but it was fun yeah. that it was. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't know if you know about this, Ray. I didn't have time to look into it. There was like a cut level from this game um, that they added <laughs> oh, back hidden, into later hidden points. Hidden Palace. Hidden Palace. I, yeah, I, I downloaded it. Uh, I downloaded the iOS version because it was kind of rebuilt and put into the iOS version. Right. Um, and you have to fall through a certain pit in, in Mystic Cave Zone. And I remember, like, I have a friend who worked at Sega's Fabian. Uh, he he gave me a map of, like, this is the pit that you need to fall down. And I went in, and you go into Hidden Palace Zone. It's, like, all the assets that you'd seen pulled from it and and uh, playing through it. It's, like, a, a there's, like, little dinosaurs um, that, like, little, little red dinosaurs. Uh, and it's also, like, Robotnik is, like, a music theme. He's got, like, a big... Big trumpets on him. So is this like um, a full a full zone with a different axe in it? Yeah, they, 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 okay. they basically well, made it from scratch. Keep in mind that the those new ports were done by the fan mm-hmm. guys, uh, Christian oh, Whitehead. Okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. Also doing Sonic Mania now. Yeah. But yeah, Neat. like there, there was just fan guys, and so there was a, first of all, there's a lot of shit left over in Sonic Two because yeah. it was basically built on top of Sonic One. And so, you know, if we know if you know anything about the Sonic fan community, there's this big history of all the different betas and alphas that showed up and stuff. And so people have just been tearing that apart ever since for like almost I, 20 years now. There were clues to that and, Hidden Palace Zone with like the sound test or something like that, well, I think, in Sonic 2. Yes, like yes. there were clues that there was something that should have been yeah, there. You that can kind of see like a little graphic of it on the stage like screen, yeah, I think. And right. so, yeah. yeah, but yeah. It was cool. shown early in magazines, but it was all like mock-ups in and so it wasn't really done. But yeah, it was it was it was by Christian Christian Whitehead again, okay. who's on Sonic Mania, and like so it wasn't officially like what the original vision of Hidden Palace Zone was, but it's it's fun hmm. uh, as a longtime fan. Yeah, that's cool. So we're going to move on to Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles, which is a very complicated game, and I'll get into that in a second. This is really just like uh, one and a half games that's, that, that's actually three separate games. It's so complicated, but let, like, let's go that's through interesting this Interesting really math. Quick. Yes, exactly. I, 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 it makes sense to me. That's all i got to say. So um, what happened was this was meant to be Sonic the Hedgehog 3, one game alone. Um, Naka, apparently, according to interviews and according to things I've read, is a notorious perfectionist. Uh, which is why Sonic 2 was delayed, which is why Sonic 1 was delayed, and Sonic the Hedgehog 3 was supposed to be out for the Christmas season of 93. That did not happen. 
and they could not delay it any further. And this might be a little slippery, these facts, but I think the source is reliable. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 had a tie-in promotion with McDonald's, a Happy Meal promotion. Yes. And they could not miss that release date. Uh, because when you're working with a big company like that, they make all the toys ahead of time. They make you set these things up way in advance. I've not personally worked with McDonald's. I'm just assuming that this is what this is the case. Sure. And you don't want to piss off McDonald's because they are a very key a promotional tool in selling your game to children. Um, so they had to basically uh, put out the game unfinished, and it is a very short game. I believe it's 12 levels as opposed to um, the 19 or the 18 that preceded it. Uh, but let's talk about Sonic 3. Uh, this was originally supposed to be. I, I guess they toyed around with playing with the. Virtual processor, which um, powered games like Virtual Racing on the Genesis. What else was on the Genesis that used this? Anything? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Just Virtual Racing. And they were like, they played around with it, but they're like, there's, there's no way we could do Sonic on this. I'm glad they didn't, um, because no. it, it would have looked awful, played awful, and it would have cost hundred dollars. I think uh, Virtual Racing was an expensive game. Right? It was hundred dollars. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I imagine they wouldn't have made the whole game with the thing, though. Like, <laughs> it could have been a, like a bonus stage. Could have been like, yeah. you know, a Mega Man X2 situation where like this one <laughs> mini boss uses it. Ah, right. So, of course, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3 introduces Knuckles, uh, which I feel like there was no fight between Sega of Japan and America because Sega of America's naming was like, just name the thing what it is. <laughs> say so what, say like, what you see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Knuckles has Knuckles. He's a pink echidna. Echidnas are one of nature's greatest mistakes. Please look it up. They're egg-laying mammals, one of like two on the planet, I think. Uh, monotremes, I think, is what you call them. Uh, I remember yeah. them being very confused by that animal because it's just like tossed out there. Oh, you know, hedgehogs, which were kind of like, oh, it's kind of like a porcupine. But then yeah. there's, oh, here's a fox. And it's like, echidnas, everybody. Hey, children, your favorite animal. I think Check that was a ploy to sell encyclopedias to children. Like, I need to look this up Work, now. Worked on me. I did a, I did a, I did a animal report. Wow. Uh, I think, I think it was just a race to find the next obscure mammal because all the obvious ones have been taken yeah. so what about you end up pandas? with echidnas oh, that <laughs> bandicoots I mean it's just like a, a, a horrifying spiral downward Kotamundi we need one of those I think no one knows what I'm talking after, about after Sorry. a meerkat was in The Lion King it was just over for everyone oh yeah and Knuckles is more of a, he's like more of a badass than Sonic even like uh, he although, punches the chaos emeralds out of Sonic he does like immediately uh, the game starts with you I guess you're going to go on vacation with Tails uh, I don't know why but uh, you land immediately and the, the chaos emeralds are stolen from you by Knuckles who apparently was tricked by Robotnik into stealing them this, this is the game with an actual story behind it outside yeah. of run to the right and fight this guy with a mustache I mean Knuckles is, is defending his his home uh, yeah like he I think that you know Robotnik wants to get to the the master emerald which keeps this whole thing afloat um, and has convinced Knuckles that Sonic is trying to steal all the... Yeah. yeah. And restoring his home is like one of the 23 endings in this game. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. So uh, this game has saves. Sonic 3 has saves, uh, which is pretty interesting because uh, Sonic 1 didn't have saves. Sonic 2 didn't have saves. I don't think Sonic 3 needed saves because it's such a short game, but it's nice that they're there. Oh, there's great. Um, I mean, it's probably like a four or five hour game, but still, if you want to play through a little pieces at a time, you can do that. I don't know if you can use this to grind for emeralds. Can you do that? Like, I want to play through stage one again with this uh, character. I, I think and... that you had to maintain progress. I don't, you okay. couldn't go back. From my memory, you couldn't go back and just like, I'm going to try this. No, no Dracula X approach. Oh, too bad. So uh, there's more story, like I said, but what's interesting is there's more of a story told through the levels themselves. Like um, Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 would just drop you from kind of different scenery without any explanation. Mm-hmm. These games would all have some sort of in-game reason for you to be going to another area that looks different. Like you either fall down a waterfall and up in a water world. You uh, fight through uh, a desert and go yeah, into a pyramid. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff that has a logical transition into the next stage. And there's also a very big focus on changing the stage halfway through. Like 
Again, each of these zones is two acts long. I feel like the second act of every zone, there's some new twist, even if it's only visual. Like yeah. in um, the first the first zone of Sonic 3, you have the jungle that, get, get, that catches on fire yeah. and uh, and so on. There's like Robotnik is like chasing you with this thing that terraforms the land in one of the, one of the levels. It's all very interesting. They're really thinking more about like what can we do with these levels. And uh, what, what's new in Sonic 3 also is, like, every stage, every act one of every zone has a sub-boss, which is new. Um, it's it's a lot of bosses in this game. Some of them are pretty lame, I'll admit. A lot of them use the, uh, there are orbs floating around me sort of idea, where it's like, you can only hit me at these certain times. But it's cool that they're really delivering on things people like about Sonic, like interesting bosses, different boss designs. Not just ending with a, uh, you know, jumping through a hoop or hitting a sign or whatever. There's some sort of um, climax at the end of every stage, like some sort of encounter yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Um, it also I, I introduces think, uh, some weird mechanics like the um, like the elastic rope things that you grab onto. Yeah, like yeah. I, I found those a little weird in the sense that they they I don't know they feel kind of counter to the the basic Sonic philosophy. It's hard it's, for me to explicate it, but it's I interesting just, that you say that because when I was playing these games, I was thinking like Sonic's abilities are limited. But it's really how to put those limited abilities to use with these varying things around him in the environment. That's what, that's what I feel these games are about. True. Like uh, It reminds me of Yoshi's Island in a way, where Yoshi has a lot of moves, but there are so many different kinds of platforms and like things you can interact with in the world. It's all about using those basic moves on these things that are happening around you. But to what Jeremy said, Sonic, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Ristar does all that stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> I, need, I need to play Ristar. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's it feels like, oh, this is a carryover from Ristar. Yeah, and the overhanging, yeah. 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 It's. It seems like no. Restart came after. To, to me, oh. I, I, I feel like those those you know mid bosses were an answer to. There was more abilities. You know, you had an extra shield, uh, so you could make magnetic shield and added a double jump, yeah, or yeah. you know the the bubble shield, which allowed you to breathe underwater. I think fire we, shield, which was huge because yeah. you just turned into a fireball. It's, it's not quite like Mario suits, but yeah, <laughs> there's an element of that though. Shields, yeah. but the it, bubble shield was great because it cut down on the. Okay, I'm underwater. I'm safe. Mm, like yeah. everything's fine until I get hit once, and uh, I got some yeah. time, yeah. which was huge. And it, and taking that edge off, I think helped. And those bosses, uh, those mid bosses, I think helped spike up the challenge a little bit more. And and the second player is. Tails in, in Sonic 3 had way more agency. You know, Tails could actually lift you up, carry you around. That's true. And Tails could swim, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is adorable. sort of like flying underwater. Yeah. yeah he is very adorable. He's like doing yeah. a little dog paddle. Nice. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so we have the bonus stages, which we didn't mention yet. They are these, um, you find them in the, in the levels, which kind of cuts down on the value of the ring. Because you no longer need rings to access them. You need to find these things. And these very, very big stages. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of hard to find. Um, And I find these kind of irritating. I mean, I like the... It's a downgrade. Yeah. I I like the technology on display. You're running on these, like, sort of like Super Mario Galaxy-style orbs. Uh, But it's all about, like, um, hitting these blue orbs and jumping over the red ones. And, like, sort of knowing the layout of these circular levels. Because you can trap yourself, too. Exactly. You can paint yourself in a corner. And and you have to have the pattern right. But I, I do agree that... I mean, I think they were frustrating. Could be really disorienting because you'd turn on these forty-five on forty-five degree angles or ninety yes. degree angles, and uh, but I felt more in control than you know the spinning of the first Sonic stage where it was just kind of like a pinball thing, and and there's there's traps to fall in, and and in two we talked about the, the the pitfalls there, but I actually felt like I was in control, uh, even if it was a little frustrating sometimes. So I felt like I had more agency over actually getting all the all the emeralds. If they slowed these down a bit, I could deal with them. But I think like even uh, yeah, my friend who was good yeah. at these at the time like kind of kind of cashed his chips in at like the fourth one. Like I'm done with this. Yeah, I mean when you make that 45 degree turn, it's just like you turn, and then you can't you can't move out of it or anything. It's yeah. just like you're forced to go in that, and so I don't think. I don't think you have as much control as you would. <laughs> it, looked, it, it looked really cool. It still does, but it's not very playable. Um, yeah. Jesus, there's no sort of map or anything. 
It's, I know. It's like how uh, do you how do you how do you put that together in your head? This running on this sphere and knowing yeah. like where you'll be like like kind of caged in. You in know? stages that do get progressively larger. Yeah, for like, sure. <laughs> I guess there's a strategy. There has to be a strategy guide out there somewhere. I don't know how you would print those maps out or uh, how you would they, render they, them. Yeah, I've seen them printed out. Yeah, yeah. It's just a grid. <laughs> they use a they. They use a Mercator projection. <laughs> you need to have like a planetarium in your, in your home <laughs> in order to like actually see. Please project. <laughs> so uh, we talked about the music. Uh, Nakamura, I believe, was the musician, musician who worked on the last games. He was not available for this one because he wanted more money than they wanted to give him. Um, most of this music is good, but I feel like Nakamura's is more cohesive because it's all coming from one guy who is a talented musician. And there's lots of composers on this uh, game. There's like a, almost a dozen, it's seemingly, mm. putting making music for this game. I wonder why that is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but one of them is, of course, Michael Jackson. And uh, Ray, you seem to be really invested in this. Can you talk about this? Do I? Do- yes. <laughs> you ran up to me. You're like, Bob, <laughs> you got to talk about MJ. Am I wearing my bad tour shirt? <laughs> uh <laughs> Okay, where to begin, I guess. Well, you already said it. And uh, I can play the clip. I mean, uh, what, what do we know? Hold on. Okay, well. This is great. We know that there's a lot of evidence that points to th- parts of those uh, music tracks belonging to actual Michael Jackson songs. I think the first one that was sort of like the the big uh, – the big MacGuffin early on was the fact that The Stranger in Moscow is really similar to the ending theme. It is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was uh, Stranger in Moscow came after Sonic Three though, right? Correct. Did it? Yeah, uh, I think yes. so. Yes, was yeah. it from History or something? I'm not sure. Know. Keep uh, talking. Uh, but yeah, the thing is that Michael Jackson, I guess, was you know going to do the music, but along with a lot of his collaborator collaborators or, or yes men, I guess you know all these guys who help out on on producing his tracks and things. Guys from you know guys you've never really heard of, but you know have a lot of them were credited in in in, in the uh, game. But I guess uh, things kind of fell through. I, the story went that Michael Jackson heard his heard the music coming out of the Genesis. And like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Even though he's the guy who had a Genesis game, right? <laughs> liked Sega a lot. And probably had you know five hundred Genesis in, in on Neverland Ranch. But <laughs> I was reading he like just walked into Sega of America. He's like, I'm Michael Jackson, and I want to talk to people who make Sega games. Yeah. And that's how they kind of set up the meeting with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you want to do Sonic? Okay, but yeah, um, haven't you played one of these games or heard one of them at least? Uh, so that was kind of like the falling out, but a lot of the, the remnants of the, the the music similarities were in there. And then, uh, you know, the, the story kind of, you know, it didn't really go anywhere for a lot of years because, you know, nobody from Sega was going to say anything, and then Michael Jackson died, and nobody else was really going to say anything other, otherwise, and so there was a lot of, you know, vague vagueness still about it. But then I think uh, the most recent development was that somebody figured out that, oh, um, the Ice Cap Zone music is mm-hmm. very similar oh. to a song from Brad Buxer, who was one of the collaborators from, f- uh, with Michael Jackson and who worked on Sonic 3 and who also in the 80s had his own band called the Jetsons with a Z. I could play that. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, Snowboarding right now. Okay, pretty good. Yeah. This song is called Hard Times and it's on the Jetsons album. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you want me to play the ice cap zone? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. The, the, the riff is pretty much identical. So, yeah, I can definitely hear that. Yeah, that bass line. Yeah. It's, it's okay the... to rip yourself off, though, right? Uh, yeah. I do it all the time. Un- uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> rip yourself off under the name of Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I was reading that... Um, uh, the molestation scandal happened in fall of 93. Uh, people working on the game were not told to stop. 
or to do anything yeah. differently or stop working with Michael Jackson. Um, and then, you know, he didn't like the music. So I feel like it's one of those Mike Tyson things where it was like uh, they didn't have the contract anymore for Mike Tyson. But again, he was a rapist and they didn't want to work yeah. with him anymore. And it's don't like, not call us. We'll not call you. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, you don't want to work with us. That's great. Don't worry about it. So I feel like it was like, OK, that would they kind of won that one out. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like at that point, Michael Jackson, bef- even before the Mall Station scandal, was kind of a joke in '93. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he, yeah, he was sort of like he was, uh, he was big tabloid fodder. That, yeah, that was like the peak of that. So maybe Black or White era, or um, what was it, what was this '91 album? I forget. Um, has the Black or White single? I, I'm on not it. actually an expert. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were. Uh, I feel like that was the last time he was like viewed as legitimate. Everything sure. after that was like grasping at uh, former success. But uh, yeah, that was that's a story of Michael Jackson in Sonic Three. Um, there's no official word, but it's like he did. Like I feel like he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or if not, these producer guys. And also, like, <laughs> who's it gonna hurt if it. you say he did? I mean, it's like he's dead. It's like, and also, he turned yeah. on the project. It's not gonna hurt. It's not gonna like damn his his name. There, yeah, there is that too. It's like, I mean, staying mum about it is is kind of weird when it's been so long now. And it's like I don't know, like. I guess if you just want to honor the secret, fine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Simpsons thing in a way. <laughs> So uh, we talked about the next game, Sonic and Knuckles, which is really just like the, the back half of Sonic did 3. You, did you mention the barrel? and? Oh, the barrel. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> it's, so... it's right there in your notes. I was like, did I miss that? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for okay. mentioning the barrel. So the yeah, Carnival my Night contribution Zone, to the episode. Uh, Carnival Night Zone sucks, by the way. And it's not just because of that barrel. I, I tweeted this out. Oh, when, boy. B- before I know what I re- you're talking about. Yes. I tweeted this out like last night, uh, probably about a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago by the time you're listening to this. But I'm like, the Carnival Night Zone is one of the worst levels of all time. They're like, that barrel. I'm like, yes, it's the barrel, but it's more than that but the barrel it yeah. got me this time and it always gets me what happens in sonic and it happens in every game there there there's like you're introduced to a mechanic that is not taught to you they just expect you to sort of know what to do without being signaled in any way and sonic 2 there's like or maybe it's sonic 1 you have to like hit a platform with your head to have it drop down like i was kind of stuck mm-hmm. there i'm like what do i do next this is more infamous for everybody across the world i think because uh, there is a barrel in carnival night zone where when you jump on it, it sinks down. It's sort of like a buoyant barrel, and you're like, oh, I have to, I have to keep jumping on it. But that doesn't work. But the way it looks, it, it looks like it should work. But again, if you're playing with tails, that messes with it. What you have to do is hit up and down on alternate ways in order to get the barrel to bob up and down enough for you to uh, pass under where it goes under or whatever. I'm not sure if I explain this well <laughs> no. enough, but. It's somebody talk, please. This barrel. It's just like it's like uh, it's like you're looking at a seesaw from front on, but yeah. you can't see the other side of the seesaw. Exactly, exactly. And it's like there should have been a like uh, maybe like something that signified a control input yeah. you should do, yeah. or some other way to teach it to you. These games, I feel like that element was fixed a lot in later Sonic games. Where exactly, they give you signs and shit. Yeah, and I think in Sonic Jam, I read they took this barrel out. They just took this one barrel out of the um, Sonic Jam wow, was the yeah. collection of Sonic One, Two, and Three for the Saturn. They took this barrel okay. out. But um, that's one thing was I that feel. A, was that a working designs tweak? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we can't. You can't get to them with that. But um, oh, I no, feel, they did Sega ages. Never mind. Yeah. So like, I feel like uh, that kind of ties into this uh, this idea that I was thinking of when playing these games. It's like uh, I think. <laughs> You have to. I have to constantly compare these games to Mario, but I feel like Nintendo does a better job of teaching you. Um, and it's it's exam- examples like these that make me feel like you, sh- you could have taught me this. And I'm sure it stumped many a child who could not go on the internet, could not like look in a strategy guide. And I'm wondering how many people got stuck. If you get stuck at this barrel, let me know through a comment. I, yeah, I don't even remember because uh, maybe <sighs> maybe I debug code. One hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, I must vivid, have vivid memories. I don't of this remember. One. Yeah. I haven't played it that far, but um, <laughs> there was a NeoGaf thread some time ago. It was like show a photo of the, or show a picture of the worst boss in gaming and a bunch of people just posted that barrel. <laughs> 
there were these videos made by a Japanese uh, gamer person online uh, maybe a decade or so ago where it was like Michael Jackson, uh, like a, like the sprite of Michael Jackson from Moonwalker, like like kicking ass through all these different video games. Uh, oh, yeah, someone yeah, yeah. someone yeah, replied it's been with a long time. Those are those are great. I want to find <laughs> those again. But someone posted the animated gif of that when he goes to Carnival Night Zone. We see Michael Jackson kicking ass through all these games. He he walks up to that barrel and then Moo walks out of the screen. So it's like even <laughs> Michael Jackson does not want to deal with that barrel. So I, I love how someone, whoever that was, thank you for posting that. That made me laugh in my in my darkest time playing with this game. So um, talking about Sonic and Knuckles, the back half of Sonic and Knuckles was released later that fall. Sorry, the back half of Sonic 3. I'm very sick, by the way. Sonic and, and Knuckles was marketed twice as much, it seemed like. Yes, and this had the lock-on cart, which basically yeah. – so it – I guess you got some of your money's worth by waiting because you could play uh, Sonic 2 with Knuckles, Sonic 3 with Knuckles, and uh, any Sega-published game, I believe, would give you the Sonic 3 bonus stage. Is that correct? Is it just uh, Sega-published games? There's a lot of them. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's games with a certain header type that it would recognize and yeah. would give it the thing. What I read was they wanted Sonic 1 to have Knuckles in it with this lock-on cart, but there was an issue with the color palette, and they couldn't get it working, so it was oh, just dumb. But I think hackers have made it possible in recent years, so that's something that happened. Yeah. Um, but so we have that lock-on thing that lets you play Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 with Knuckles. But here's the thing. It's so complicated, but I'll try to break it down. So this essentially creates three separate games. Um, uh, we have Sonic 3, which you could play front to back as a complete game. We have Sonic and Knuckles, which you could play front to back as a complete game. And then we have Sonic 3 and Knuckles, which is also a complete game you can play front to back. In, the, in a much, much longer game than Sonic 3 and Sonic and Knuckles of Vanilla. Uh, and each version of these games has their own respective endings. But in order to get like the true, honest-to-God, super awesome ending, you need to play through Sonic 3 and Knuckles, get all of the Chaos Emeralds in the Sonic 3 part, then upgrade them to Super Emeralds in the Sonic and Knuckles part. And then once that happens, you will fight the true final boss and Knuckles' magical kingdom will rise into space or whatever instead of sinking into the ocean. Um, that's essentially how to get the true, honest-to-God ending of this this like it's a, strange bizarre creation we call Sonic Three and Knuckles. It's in, insane to me. I, I almost made it through my childhood with having played both Sonic Three and then Sonic and Knuckles, and like then the you know the combination of them like dozens of times before I happened upon a strategy guide and read it and just like what is Doomsday Zone? Oh right, what yeah. is Doomsday Zone? Uh, yeah, and then yeah. finally stitching it all together, it was uh it was it was a complete. Like, I don't, I, I don't, I still haven't totally processed how lock-on technology works to this day, but it was just, it, it was as if, you know, you went back to Super Mario World and, and, you know, years later, you're just like, oh, there's, this is the real ending? Like, are you serious? Uh, uh, and, I don't know, looking back, like, lock-on technology, especially with Sonic 2, I don't know, Bob, if you found something that is more revealing about it, but how, how that works, like, how... How like was Sonic Two? Was any part of it developed with Knuckles in mind, or or no. is it just like it's it's basically it's like patching. a pass through? It's like um it's like using a game genie or something. So it's just adding in you know so because like in Sonic Two and Knuckles you and, know you you'd climb to the top. Knuckles can climb. That was a big part of his gameplay and glide. Yeah. And so you could access areas that weren't. Uh, you could never get to in Sonic 2 regularly. And then there'd be a there'd be a one up up there. It's just kind of that was what screwed with me. So yeah, I mean if it's a if, if it's a pass-through thing like you're mentioning and you know, just having there was there was code in Sonic and Knuckles that affected that, you yes. know. Yeah. It's, 
There is. What's I mean, what, there's the thing in the Sonic and Knuckles ROM that's just basically patching the Sonic 2 ROMs. So yeah. It's literally adding that onto it. It's, it seems so simple when you say it that way. But having grown up in with, <laughs> with just like the, the Vaseline uh, over the lens of it all, it yeah. was just, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was magic. Yeah. I mean, we have to yeah, wrap right. up soon, but I want to say like this is so like – this is very complicated because you can play Sonic 3 alone by itself – if you play those levels via Sonic 3 and Knuckles, there are changes to those levels. Like some parts are made a little easier, some parts are made a little harder. So there are tiny tweaks to these original Sonic 3 levels. If you play Sonic and Knuckles vanilla, Sonic and Knuckles each have their own different routes. So like this, these are all conceivably different experiences, each worthwhile. I will say Sonic 3 uh, was a little too tedious for me. I feel like the Sonic and Knuckles chunk of that content was a lot better. I don't know, what, as the Sonic aficionado, Tim, like what version of this ex- of this three-part experience do you prefer? Uh, to me, it, every time it would be, yeah, so Sonic 3 and Knuckles with Sonic and Tails, like mm. from beginning to end, because I think the co-op experience where Tails can actually lift up and carry Sonic yeah. around, like it's a really fun co-op experience, and I think it allows you to explore and have more fun with someone. Um, and then... I mean, as far as solo goes, I think that Knuckles is a lot of fun because you have more uh, opportunities to explore without Tails. You can climb walls and stuff like that. But um, I think that Sonic and Tails, through both of them, you know, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is is the way to play it. And when Super Mario 3D World came out, I immediately thought of Knuckles with the cat suit. So running along, but before we go, Ray uh, told me he had a rant to deliver, a Dennis Miller-style rant. Get out Don't your call too much attention to it. It's kind of behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to, first of all, talk about when we were talking about levels and stuff, especially with Sonic 1, like, uh, I think the big point of bullshit that p- cropped up is that people think Sonic is supposed to be about going fast mm. because that's sort of how he was marketed, of course. So, I mean, I think people just have to ask themselves, like, what do they, what did they pick up on from Sonic either by Sega's marketing or from fans? Or anything else about its history over the past few years. I think there's two things to really grasp, which is two and <laughs> think two things that you can really get from it is that Sonic is either a game where you go really fast or a game that is as good as Mario. And if you lean more towards the Mario side, then I think you're more forgiving of the level design and the sort of slowing down at certain points. And I think that's where the big disconnect happened and why people sort of get upset when they think Sonic is supposed to be about going fast and holding right. And when it doesn't do that, oh, the levels must be bad. Hmm. But in reality, I think the levels are mostly well-designed because they're made by well, a good video game company. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. I just ran around with it. <laughs> Ray's tearing up. This is very important. <laughs> no, <time. laughs> totally fine. I trust. Uh, believe me. Uh, the thing is also is that, you know, when Sonic was made, the most current Mario game at the time was Mario 3. And a lot of stages in Mario 3 are kind of straight lines, whether diagonal or not, up and down, whatever. A lot of levels in Sonic games, Sonic 1, 2, 3, are very S-shaped. There's mm-hmm. lots of ways where they take you down underground and back up and stuff. And so I think that's a key differentiator and why I think levels are not that bad and why they tried to do something actually different from Mario a lot of the times. Now, of course, I changed a bit with Mario World where there was more verticality and stuff, but at the time... That's sort of what Sonic was going for and sort of built on what was going on with Alex Kidd in a way too. There's a lot more open levels. And so I think when people sort of knock Sonic for not being as fast as they think it should be, I don't think they were thinking about it the right way. Hmm. It's not supposed to be fast even though everybody said it's supposed to be fast. If you just treat it as a normal platform game, I think it, it, is, it is pretty good, kind of rewarding. Hmm. Very well said, Ray. Yeah. I cannot argue with that. And that's what I wanted to say on Retronauts for <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> you finally said it. I'm glad it. you finally had a chance. Yeah. Well, well put. Yeah. I would say there is a third takeaway 
that we've we've received from the Sonic games over the years, yeah. and that's that the games are also about having sex with cartoon characters. Uh, uh, yes, absolutely. I, we had a, here's the thing. I want to say this. Now I have a rant about that. <laughs> oh, jeez. I, I welcome all furry listeners. I, I feel like there was a time on the internet where that was... There was no judgment in my voice. Oh, no, no. I want to make sure no one thinks yeah, we are judging I mean, them. Because, okay. uh, I mean, like, there is some persecution out there, Jeremy. I want to make sure we're not, uh, <laughs> we're not jumping into that. But I feel like there was a time on the internet where... Uh, people being attracted to cartoon characters was the weirdest thing you could find. Uh, we are we are so far beyond that now, especially in our modern era uh, of like 4chan and stuff. So, uh, and I'm friends with furries, and it's cool, and we welcome you to the show. <laughs> yes, yes, and I like animal I, characters too, but not sexually. I'd rather. I, def- I don't want to say that for ten years. Okay, great. <laughs> I'd rather defend the games. <laughs> okay. Well, Jeremy brought it up, so thank you so much <laughs> well, for listening. Well, it's just after our last Sonic experience. I yeah, I, I think it's 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 okay to say there's no. There's no bad blood between us and the Sonic community. Of course not. I, I killed off the podcast for a few years because of it, but <laughs> we're over that now. I, I spent valuable free time playing all these games again, and I think it was worth it. I like. I wanted to talk about these games. I'm glad we made it what I think is a good episode, even though I'm sick and maybe a little rambly. But I want to say thanks for listening so much. Um, you can listen to all of the uh, Patreon info in the commercial break, probably some extra stuff I threw in there, so please don't skip those. Uh, as for me, you can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. I also work at Fandom, powered by Wikia. You can go to fandom.com to read my new stuff there. And I also host the podcast Talking Simpsons, which is a chronological exploration of The Simpsons. You can find that at lasertimepodcast.com. Uh, let's go with Tim first. He's a special guest. Not that you're not special, right? Tim's just not here. I'm, I know. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, always down to talk about Sonic. Um, I, uh, I So I work on the Resident Evil team. I'm on the marketing team at Capcom USA. Uh, Resident Evil 7 is coming out January 24th. Whoa, that's soon? 2017. Yeah, the right hell? up there. Crap. <laughs> PS4, Xbox One, PC. You so need to tell us how combat works. You gotta get you gotta get spooked. Um, so that's coming out. I'm scared. It snuck up on me. If you have PSVR, you can play the entire game in VR. Uh, it's the same content. I couldn't do the demo. End. I'm sorry, I can't. You get a little spooked. Uh, too spooked. Okay, yeah. gotcha. I'm worried about my pants. I understand and the contents of my pants. You know, when you budget for video games, not everyone factors in pants. I understand. <laughs> uh, so that's part of it. Otherwise, I'm at Tim Turry on Twitter. Love Capcom games, but love clearly love talking about uh, all. All games. So. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? Oh, uh, you guys, you can find me on the internet. You know where. Uh, Gamespite on Twitter. That's that's where I post my dad jokes. And if you're interested in me talking about the history of video games that are never going to be Sonic, check out Game Boy World or Good Intentions or Mode 7. Yeah, it's all Nintendo stuff. Sorry. How about you, Ray? Uh, sorry, seriously, I had to go step out of my car, so I apologize, listener, for the <laughs> breathlessness. But now I'm okay. Yes, I'm on Twitter, RDBAAA, and I also do a podcast that's more goofy than this one called No More Whoppers. That's at uh, nomorewhoppers.tumblr.com. Cool, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new micro episode. See you then. Mm-hmm.